0: Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I'm Bubba. <laughs> nice callback to a joke. Uh, Good job. That was from
1: last week.
0: Uh, I was going to do a bit about how we're going to change this podcast to just a, uh, well, fuck, what was her name? The singer.
1: Rebecca Del Rio. Rebecca
0: Del Rio. And that's all we're going to talk about for this episode or whole podcast because sure. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah. And she's perfect. Yeah. So, well, I guess we don't have to talk about her that much then because... I really encompassed it.
1: Yeah. What are you going to talk about? Yeah. Perfection? Yeah. (laughs) Boring. Us lowly people down here in the normal people (laughs)
0: land can't Uh.
1: talk about perfection.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, nice light intro, Michael, because this episode- I'm Mikey. (laughs) Oh.
1: Yes. (laughs) Trick. Not really, Bubba.
0: You didn't even do the Bubba voice. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't remember what voice I did.
0: I think you just yelled.
1: (laughs) Probably. That tracks.
0: (laughs) Um, so yeah, this is a heavy Let's episode. Let's talk
1: about abuse.
0: Oh, you did do that on mic. You did yeah. that right before we recorded too. Yeah,
1: because I am excited. No, this <laughs> this episode,
0: not the stuff. entire
1: episode, but the first three quarters of this episode is right. fucking hard to watch. Like, not because it's bad or anything like that, but like...
0: Oh my God, it's... There
1: is severe abuse that you see varying degrees of from various different angles mm-hmm. and points of view and types of abuse. Yeah, and it is some of it is tough to watch.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is.
1: And it jumps mm-hmm. right into it from mm-hmm. the very first scene.
0: Yeah, I mean the, god, I was going to say this first scene is especially hard. It's all especially hard. Um so we open on Richard. Oh, this is part 10 by the way. Season 3, part 10. But you could read that on your podcatcher probably. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Richard drives to Miriam Sullivan's house. So Miriam Sullivan, we met in the Double R Diner. She was the one who is stoked about pie? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Okay. And
1: yeah, she just a really, really sweet lady. But oh, very generous. They established. Right. More. She's a school teacher, local school teacher. Clearly, does not have a lot of because they they make reference to that too. Like she doesn't have the money for mm-hmm. this. You know what? We should treat her next time she's here. Like, mm-hmm. she's a very very sweet woman, but. More importantly, she's the person who saw Richard Horn's face mm-hmm. when he was driving away after the hit and run.
0: Right. So, um, so he drives to her her tra- is it a is it a trailer? Mm-hmm. He drives to her trailer. Um, tells him to she tells him to leave. She says she already told the police about it. She doesn't know why he's not arrested already. And also, so she's in theory she's already told the police. And has sent a letter to the sheriff. Right. To Sheriff Truman saying everything. And if something happens to her, he's the one who did it. Right, right. And so that was maybe not a thing she should have shared.
1: Yeah. I Uh, mean.
0: Well, I guess the letter didn't matter. Yeah, he just. So he.
1: Well, he calls Chad and says, intercept the letter.
0: Right. Which do we think that Chad is the one she told? And that's why nothing's happened with Richard Horn?
1: Or she hasn't actually told anybody. And her, t- like, that was just, well, I've already told them, yeah. you should go away because they're looking for you. Yeah. Like, it could have very well been a bluff. Sure. Oh, that's um, a good point. Um, there's a, a couple of things to note about this scene, too, that one of them that stands out as weird is you see Miriam talking through the door to Richard, mm-hmm. and Richard's reflection is is post-effect. Oh. he That's not a, a true reflection. He's almost more vibrant than her, but nothing else. It's just hit. Like, there's no oh. reflection of trees or anything like that Shit. behind him. It's really bizarre looking, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. And I've, I've tried staring at it, and it doesn't seem normal. It just seems like they took footage of him. Flipped it. Flipped it and threw it on the window. Um, I don't know why. Maybe they just wanted a reflection there that wasn't picking up well on camera that day might be nothing but it's Noted. too vibrant to mm-hmm. be legitimate which sure. is interesting.
0: Okay. Uh so he breaks in The t-
1: the other thing I wanted to point out which I think is interesting is her house or her trailer is decorated like the whole outside is decorated with like Christmas decorations. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that makes this episode you know and all the abuse that we see so hard to watch is that it it's also always like abuse hidden behind joyous things mm, mm-hmm. so like we see this and like oh it's Christmas time that's joyous for people yeah. but inside is this awful moment where he beats the hell out of her and
0: leaves her for death
1: and the sounds that you hear from outside are awful <sighs> horrible. awful sounds and then like the next scene when we see oh the joy of of um Carl Ra just singing a song. Mm-hmm. And then coffee, which we know to be right. a thing we know and love and is joyous, comes flying out the window as the abuse of um, Becky starts happening and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But we'll get to that. But it, I feel like a lot of these abusive scenes are somehow hidden behind this exterior of beauty and joy.
0: which is Which is
1: kind of a... Laura Palmer allegory, well, it's in a, a sense. Well, it's a
0: pretty accurate description about what abuse looks like a lot of the time. Sure. Um, which is, you know, generally it's wearing a, you know, a pretty face, but mm-hmm. behind it is is awful. Um, so he got, when he runs at her trailer and the way he knees in yeah, her he window. Yeah, throws his knee and just, it, oof. It was really upsetting for me. Like, I...
1: Well, and it's because it's so, like he's trying to threaten her but like is he's 20 yards from her door Mm -hmm. you know what i mean he's not like Mm -hmm. right up in her face right like hey i'm giving you your space i'm giving you your opportunity to like don't do anything anything about this and then when he turns he just on a dime just snaps it's and immediately goes from like come on do the right thing Mm -hmm. don't turn me into i don't care if you're alive
0: fucking kill you over this. Yes. It's And I'm not even going to think about it that hard. Um so that's awful and then we kind of pan we see Carl do we pan between these two are these scenes supposed to be happening simultaneously or they just happen no, to be No, it cuts
1: it cuts across. But we see we go into her like apartment before we like so he goes in, you see the outside of the 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 trailer, you hear the sounds and then you hear the stove being turned on. Right. So he's letting gas mm-hmm. leak. Um, and you see she's laying on the ground and he's leaving. That's when he picks up the phone and says, hey, Chad. Yeah. She wrote a letter. I need you to intercept it. That's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know why he says because later it's incredibly easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's not hard to steal a letter. <laughs> um, But yeah. So there's a little bit of wrap up on the end of that scene. But then you go, you hear this, just beautiful sweet like lullaby-esque song playing and you're panned down from like a wider shot of the trailer and it and then it cuts across and you see oh, okay carl's just sitting outside his management trailer mm-hmm. uh, still guitar. has a sign don't wake me up before or whatever and he's just playing this beautiful song so beautiful that's interrupted by a mm-hmm. coffee mug flying through the window
0: yeah uh, it's a red coffee mug for if that's important. bright red, yeah, like, like very vibrant red,
1: and everything else is very muted tones, which so I would pops. not have
0: noticed had this red mug not. Yeah,
1: it it really pops, and then we so go, is, should
0: yeah. we. I mean, we should plant a flag here because this is. Is I mean, are we doing a sixth sense thing that like is the color red going to be? thematic of something because we saw the red shoes yes uh, last week. I mean it always has been
1: in the history of cinema. It's
0: Sure. It But it like is usually, David Lynch making a conscious effort to be like, I, okay
1: certainly not to the level of M night Shyamalan.
0: Could you guys hear him roll his eyes when he said <laughs> M. Night shot like could I, you hear I the just, der- co- dripping? comparing
1: David Lynch and M M. Night Shyamalan is just painful to me. Um
0: so, first of all, I still think Sixth Sense is very good. I watched it at some point.
1: Sixth Sense is the most palatable mm-hmm.
2: of
0: you, all of his. Films. I do. Like, there's a a podcast called Um Blank Check. And they do it's just a movie podcast, and it's like a couple guys whose name one's named Griffin, the other one definitely has a name also. And they are like movie buffs, and they go through a director's oeuvre and the first one they did was M. Night Shyamalan and so I was like oh okay like I've seen Lady in the Water I remember liking it in college and then Mikey and I watched it in September and I fell asleep um and I, but I'd never seen Signs but I knew my dad loved Signs really? yes
1: I didn't know that John
0: Blumke loved Signs like he thought it was so fucking good and he does not like or watch movies right like he watches (laughs) he likes Moneyball he likes A League of Their Own End of list. <laughs>
1: yeah, and like
0: Beatles documentaries. Yeah,
1: documentaries about shit he liked when he was younger, yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Beatles or space. Yeah, like, like he. That like, is the
0: thing you guys agree on. You both like space. Yeah,
1: like, space. Space is
0: fucking awesome. <laughs> it's, I find it very scary and intimidating. Anyway, uh, so they did a thing. Shout about, out to um,
1: perseverance. Oh yeah. Um.
0: Anyway, all that's just say is. I watched Signs so we could listen to this podcast. And Mikey had gone to bed. I think I took an edible. And I was texting him like, why did you let me watch this movie? It's, it's awful. I could not believe how bad Honestly, it was. There like, were moments that worked. We,
1: you make the, like, you know... Icebreaker question all the time of like, oh, what's the one movie that you realized like movies could be bad or whatever? Mm. Like
0: that is one of my that's favorite. usually questions.
1: And and I don't know offhand I, I, I what it is. I don't for know me.
0: if you necessarily explained it well. It's like the movie you saw as a kid that you're sure. like, oh, not all movies are amazing and good because Sometimes every movie you
1: see as a kid is, is it, a children's movie and plot holes don't aren't relevant and things like that. So you go and, and see it's the
0: Lion King, like yeah. it's a technically and an always yeah. very good movie, and then you see Batman and Robin and the and shit goes sideways.
1: And I don't remember, I feel like I've come up with some every time we do this and I don't remember it offhand. But like, as an older person who understood film to a degree, you know, watching that, I went, I saw signs in the theater. Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving that and being like, legitimately, how did someone make this movie? (laughs) Like, like, there's, the famous How Did This Get Made podcast. How did that yeah. get made? Like,
0: I'm asking this sincerely. It's like not a premise. who? Because I... <laughs> it,
1: like... Six Sense, I didn't hate out the gate. hmm Like... I've I've come to hate it more because of the rest of his catalog.
0: Well, I think also you. I remember talking to to you about this even before we were dating at Nate and Kristen's wedding. We talked about M Night Shyamalan. I don't know if you remember (laughs) that because you hate him so much. But like at that time, it was still the big thing, and it was getting. I mean, it Uh it definitely suffered in your eyes from like oversaturation.
1: Well, it's the, the it's less about that, and it's more about. What I one of the things I love the most, and we talked about this a lot last week, one of the things I love the most about David Lynch is I put out my art,
2: mm-hmm.
1: do with it what you will.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not going to explain shit to you mm-hmm. because what I think doesn't matter, how you interpret it matters. Right. M. Night Shyamalan, on the other hand, puts it out there and then finds everything. Every medium he can to get out and explain every goddamn frame and why it's brilliant and why it's genius and why I'm the next Alfred Hitchcock yeah. and fuck you, yeah. you doing this constantly explaining how clever and smart you are ruins it completely mm-hmm. and I hate that. Yeah, for sure. And he after Sixth Sense just went on a fucking tour of every TV show and every interview you could get, like just explaining. Like, basically, he was, like, giving... It's like a magician mm-hmm. going out and being, like, here's how I did all these tricks. It was, like, explaining everything you learn in film school. <laughs> like, on USA Today or in, like, Good yeah. Morning America or some shit. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: stop! Yeah. So, anyway.
0: Um, so, that red mug. So, that leads <laughs> us to the trailer where um, Steven is abusing Becky. Um, another, and then she's, the, like, curled. And then this is
1: kind of the opposite of the first one, which was everything from the outside.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is and your- And then this, you
1: jump right inside, and, and you are close up in between the two of them.
0: hmm He's screaming at her about money, um, which is-
1: And just fucking slobbering and shit because he doesn't care to, like, wipe his face. He's so he's fucking like, angry. He's,
0: like, rabid is the yeah, way to describe it. Yeah, it's-
1: I mean, and this is likely drug induced. Of
0: course, yeah, that does definitely seems like uppers had some effect on that. Yeah, there. a
1: little bit, a little bit.
0: Um. Okay, so we go to Las Vegas. I'm sorry. Anything else you want to say about Stephen and Becky besides that effect? I was, mean, like fucking brutal.
1: Out outside of the fact that it is upsetting, incredibly graphic. Mm. Like, it's, I mean, this is, you know, the first scene you've got abuse of a stranger or whatever. Not stranger, they technically know each other Mm because he found her or whatever, but it's... um,
0: It's not intimate partner abuse. Right,
1: and then you've got your internal domestic abuse situation, which is violent and horrific, Mm. and we've met the two of them, and they seemed happy. You know, like that's, they have a pretty right. picture. I mean, yes, there's drugs and whatever, but they, they seem, seem to like each other. Right. They don't, you didn't see this. You see that Steven is not a great guy. He's kind of a scumbag. He's kind of a loser. Mm-hmm. But you didn't see this side of him. Right. So this is a, a bit of a shock.
0: I'm going to write down the types of abuse we've seen thus far. So we saw revenge abuse, essentially, or re- not that revenge isn't abuse, but like that was the form it took is revenge. Sure. So we have revenge,
1: but just like th- it's that's a a lack of empathy abuse. I don't know if that's a
0: well. It's revenge. It's covering your own ass. It's more.
1: But it was the fact that like the way he snapped was mm-hmm. I don't care what happens to you. Mm-hmm. It 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 became less about protecting himself and more about
0: this is your fault. Like I mean... it's
1: it's like a defensive rage abuse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how dare you not do what I like? It's a control of controlling style of abuse which is the same as domestic abuse except for that these two didn't you know seemingly know each other well right
0: and we've got domestic abuse between um uh Becky and Stephen then we go to Las Vegas with and I am going to make a pretty big swing maybe my least favorite scene in this show
1: um really why any particular reason
0: um I think it's dumb and unfunny primarily I also don't love the fact that like most of the comedy or whatever comes from her completely losing her cool and like screaming and trying to touch him and I don't know if it's in this scene or I later I mean this is
1: abuse again
0: right so that's what I was going to say Is the, the and it's, of-
1: the difference is woman on man abuse is played as comedy
0: Yes, but also I, I don't know. Is it like I don't know that I would call that abuse. I would call it like.
1: But there's he, but- she
0: hits him by accident, right? Like it wasn't purposeful or vengeful. I would say the real abuse comes when she says, "Do you still love me? Do you still love me?" Even though she is one of three identical women and is so thirsty for his for his affection, she's she's scared that he's gonna turn her away. Which I find to be much more troubling than the fact that she accidentally. But hit then him in the also, face. like
1: she's not listening to him when he's saying repeatedly, "This is fine. I'm okay. Yeah. This was an act, like."
0: But I mean, it, I, I I don't think I liked the whole hysteric, right. hysterical, woman aspect of it. It I find, tidbit
1: about this scene. Um, it was written last minute and added because. Um, uh i can't remember his name right now the guy who plays robert mitchum his name is do you want me to tell you uh no 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 hang on hang on um this is good radio shit 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 why can't i remember his name right now i'm not gonna cut any of this either we're all just gonna sit with you what's 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 his first name start with r robert nepper there it is um whoo Nailed it.
0: I can see all of the silence on the sound waves. (laughs) Robert
1: Nepper showed up (laughs) legitimately injured. I don't know what happened, but he hurt himself and had a big gash Mm -hmm. on the side of his face. So they said, instead of trying to get makeup in there to try to cover it up and pretend it's not there or or shoot around it in some way, let's write this dumb little scene to explain why the next several scenes that we have with him, he's slowly got to cut healing healing. and it's because it was a real cut yeah so they added this scene for that reason
0: yeah i just the whole scene rubs me wrong it like it almost feels it, it it kind of touches the same nerve as like dougie does sometimes when she's screaming at dougie just that sort of like overwhelming like cacophony of her screaming and he's screaming and I find mm-hmm. that very like anxiety and amazing. it's and
1: it is I think it's supposed to and it like there's also I mean in this scene so there's two parts to this scene there's the scene where she's chasing a fly around mm-hmm. and then hits him
0: what was she using to swat that fly? she
1: had a like a napkin like a red that's
0: what I thought napkin <sighs> thing at
1: first and she lost it Oh. And then it landed on his face and she picked up the closest thing she could find, which is the remote control. Oh, okay. Um, But then she hits him and then he starts apologizing for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is another yeah. problem of abuse is yeah. the victim feeling at fault.
0: Mm-hmm. But I would say, like, I, I believe hers was genuine. I, I believe hers was meant to be genuinely a mistake. So I don't know if... I don't know. I, I don't know. If How is it a
1: mistake? She picked up an object, yeah, slapped him across the face. Well, it. it isn't like she was swinging a thing in the air and then it clipped him because she didn't see him there. It landed on his face and she yeah, cold cocked right. him. You're right. You're like right. that's... Yeah. If, you know what I mean, she's flighty and whatever, mm-hmm. but did you think you were only going to hit the fly and yeah. he'd be fine? That's that's fair. That's, that's not really a, an error. Yeah.
0: Um okay so bradley comes in his she's hysterical there's so much screaming i found it very overwhelming um then we cut to the doctor's office where dougie and janie e are uh janie e had brought him in saying like hey, whatever it's happening again or it's getting worse or whatever clearly there has been some sort of thing which we hinted at that he got in a car accident was it
1: uh yeah there was some type of car accident and then occasionally he goes through these bouts where he's yeah not very lucid
0: yeah um
1: and this one seems prolonged i guess is kind of right why, yeah
0: um so she so Janie e tells the and so again Janie is doing all the talking for Dougie. yeah um he you know he disappeared for two or three days. He's drinking. He's gambling. The mm-hmm. one is influencing the and other. And that's, like,
1: that. when you see this situation where, like, the doctor's talking to her, it mm-hmm. almost makes it seem more, oh, this was just always the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Janie E does all the talking mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Even when this was, quote, unquote, healthy Dougie yeah. or whatever. Like, she was the talker for all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Then the do- I God I God help me I did like this scene a lot when he when the doctor did one of these to tell him to sit down on mm-hmm. the thing and he does the same thing and he's like all right I'll examine you standing standing takes off Dougie's shirt and Kamal is fucking shredded right <laughs> like it's he's so good looking it's not fair
1: right <laughs> like like legit
0: abs like
1: but also still like. Has an older guy Yeah. Like, it isn't like he's not, you know, Chris Evans or whatever, right. like but, but it, like Yeah.
0: Hoof. who he was like twenty
1: five years in the red room yeah. did not do or like well, I guess have, you don't have nothing to do but sit ups. you
0: don't have carbs in the red room. <laughs> right, so exactly. <laughs> Something just coffee and oil. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Something I noticed here that it's,
0: I how good looking kyle mclaughlin is right right and
1: um yeah no that's it oh okay <laughs> no, uh no but he so he removes a shirt and i wonder if this was just an oversight a no one will notice or care if there's a reason for it but mm-hmm. there isn't a scar of any kind
2: mm-hmm.
1: after he had been shot in the stomach in, you know, the end of season one, start of season two. Yep. Is this the same body? Does a new body get created when it comes out so maybe that shit doesn't carry over? Is there an explanation for that? Is it just something they didn't think about when they did this scene? I, I don't know, but it's a thing that
0: yeah might my, be
1: worth investigating. Yeah,
0: my instinct is that it was an oversight just because I could totally see Lynch
1: just being like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, but God, that does open well. And that but what I had to do is in- put
1: a like makeup little like little scar right yeah. there, and ooh, interesting. And you know,
0: <sighs> But the other thing is that presents another issue because Agent Cooper, if this is his body, has aged twenty five years or twenty seven years, mm-hmm. so it's not like a brand new body that he's you know thirty year old sure. Cooper again, right? right so is it so
1: why why does yeah is it what's the explanation for Mikey? what is it is it what
0: i don't know is it the bot same same body that's exactly yeah,
1: are you just asking the question i just asked
0: i'm asking you to tell me the answer but I, you ask the question i want you to say the answer because i don't,
1: I don't i'm that's why i'm
0: asking the fucking question you're the one who knows about Twin peaks <laughs> if you don't know what are we doing here uh, anyway, there's a delightful bit that every time the doctor puts his st- He <laughs> his
2: just keeps com- reaching for it. And yeah. just
0: so slowly and gently, like a toddler. Just it's, like- it's the same thing as him reaching for the badge. So good. Yeah. Shiny. It's shiny. And it's
1: shiny and on his chest.
0: Yeah, Oh, I like that. I thought he was just being a toddler, just like reaching for things, which could be true also. Um, so they, they noted that he had been overweight and suddenly lost weight. And apparently Janie has... N- So what day is this, Michael? How many days has has Dougie this Dougie been?
1: No idea. Absolutely no idea.
0: Because it does shock me that she has not seen her husband without his shirt. I guess if it's only a couple days, that's not
1: right. And and also like he keeps disappearing. So like, and when he's, I mean, I it's not you know if she's up and out, he's up and out at different times. Like you don't necessarily see him shirtless for a while and he half the time is wearing that frumpy green suit that yeah. you can't really see his body anyway. I
0: feel like I would notice if your body... Sure,
1: and you got a great haircut and stuff like that. Like, yeah. he looks different. She's
0: not as suspicious as she needs to be. I I, and that's
1: the thing is that she's... I don't think... She's just kind of whatever. You know what I mean? Like She just
0: wants to keep moving forward yeah, and yeah, whatever's doesn't, happening. Doesn't really... Whatever. Um,
1: but she's... I I fucking the hell out of it. Oh, ahead. my God. Yeah, like, she just... Like, like all
0: of us. She was our for, like, audience surrogate. Well,
1: she forgets. Like, she clearly is just reminded of, like, oh, shit, yeah. this was the Dougie that I...
0: But do you think she... I don't know. I don't think he ever looked like that when she... Maybe, maybe I, not. That would be my theory, is, like, he was always a little bit overweight, a little soft, and then I mean, all I guess sudden, if he
1: was created from Mr. C, who's not this fit, like, the Dougie tulpa or whatever the mm-hmm. double was yeah. created by mr c from mr c so he might not you know be mm. the same fitness but
0: um but yeah like
1: and then the doctor but the doctor makes a note of saying like you've not he says you've lost weight but to me it'd be like no you got fit
0: yeah it's like you didn't just lost-
1: lose weight because you can lose weight and still look
0: the you know, same and yeah. you can get really fit and not have dropped any weight. Right,
1: exactly. And he looks in like I'm what I think that like the doctor should have said, you look like you're in really great shape.
0: Yeah. Yes, instead of lost weight. I I
1: I the lost weight is If he was just
0: trim, a, then I would see lost weight, but, yeah, he's, but he's muscular. Fit. Yeah.
1: Which is this explains how he does those sit-ups mm. when by yeah, the the boy a young sit-up from part 8 makes sense and also we see that that's a trait that carried on uh when sunny jim boy sit up in the bed during the sex scene oh Yoing. Uh,
0: yeah. well they were boyo-yoing <laughs> it's hard to make that a verb <laughs> um okay so we go back oh we're still in vegas rodney is watching the news with candy sandy and mandy i think this is, is this the first time calling them by name Uh, I know it's called Candy by name.
1: We don't ever, I don't think we ever hear Sandy or Mandy named. I think it's only credits. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, these three rub me the wrong way in a very real way because I don't get what we're doing here with three women who, while not identical, are dressed exactly the same and in costumes. I don't understand what they're supposed to be. Be aside from like set dressing, which makes me uncomfortable. I'm just like, we're going to get some hot blonde girls and just let them stand in the background. It's just, I think it's
1: like, I mean, that's Vegas. I don't think that's out of character for the city of Las Vegas. E-
0: mm, I think that's a pretty far stretch you, to think, say. you think
1: casino owners don't have like hot women as their assistants?
0: Completely different and then yes. I'm going
1: to put them in uniform the way someone would put a maid in uniform.
0: Yes, I I hear you, and I understand what you're saying, but the fact that there's three of them, and they're, like, wigged, it makes... Like, they are clearly, in the fiction of the show, is supposed to be set decoration, yeah. and therefore, in, in Twin Peaks, as we are watching it, are set decorations for the Twin Peaks audience. And, like, I don't know, I just don't... I don't know. I don't know what we're trying to do with that. It's not... I don't think it's adding anything. I, I don't I don't like those three characters. I, I just it genuinely like rubs me the wrong way. Of just like here's some three mute women who I don't know. Anyway, I
1: I I mean I I I don't, know. I, I, don't I disagree. But
0: uh, so the four of them see the report um, about the arrest of Ike the Spike. Um, which apparently they had a hit on because Rodney's like, cancel that hit I had, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so they see the report of the attack on Dougie, recognize him as Mr. Jackpot. while we see some people on the street interviews just like scream, which we saw when they were originally filmed, of just like, yeah, he. Dad, you did mm-hmm. this and that, and G.E. does a like, lot of big art. It's it's noteworthy at the time too.
1: We we mentioned that when they were filming that scene, it was like the scenes look weird. They're all handheld cam. Right. They're look they are lit when in a you know a spot from the cam. Uh-huh. Like there's a lot of they look like interviews from cam, like from right. news programs right. that'll play later, and sure enough, right, it does.
0: Um. So we. Go back to Ginny and Dougie's house where she's watching Cooper eat, or she's watching Dougie eat cake hmm. and ask him if he finds her attractive.
1: And then does a very casual pose, like vanity fair pose.
0: Uh-huh, this is how I always sit, right?
1: Yeah. Always. One one arm is across uh-huh. the thing and her elbow is kind of up on mm-hmm. the wall. Like, oh, this is mm-hmm. just me it's relaxed. Just, this is <laughs> how
0: I sit. Um, but again,
1: like. Two beautiful older people. Oh my god. In, in like, Kyle McLaughlin and Naomi Watts.
0: So beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then they have sex. And if here we're going to talk about <laughs> whether or not it's ethically above board that Janie E has sex with Dougie, considering. Okay, no. Full stop. Is it ethical that Janie E had sex with Dougie?
1: The one the one thing that's hard to put a definitive statement on that is we don't see anything between him eating cake mm-hmm. and them going at it. Mm-hmm. Did anything take place in that time? Right. Did she ask him, do you want to have sex? And he says, have sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that's taken as consent yeah. or whatever. Um, but even in that scene, she says, do you love me? Well, do you love me? And he just keeps fucking eating cake. Mm -hmm. He doesn't respond to that. Mm -hmm. Which is one of the first, that's the perfect time to just parrot love me. Love me, yeah. Or love, or whatever. But he doesn't do anything with that information except eat cake. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely leaning on this. Uh, The thing is, I do think it is, I, I think anybody, I think legally you'd have to consider it rape because uh, because marrying somebody does not imply a consent which is why spousal rape was not mm-hmm. a thing for a very long time that you marry this mm-hmm. person that implies consent forever um but yeah, I mean but I don't know. from the
1: point where we jump in he doesn't seem bothered by it in any way yeah but you that's know what not I mean what I know I know is. that but we don't see consent takes place beforehand and we don't see that So we, as a viewer, have no idea. Yeah. But from what we know of Dougie, which she doesn't necessarily know, Mm -hmm. is he's not mentally capable of that. Mm -hmm. But we don't know that, you know, she doesn't necessarily know that. And that's not on her necessarily.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: But we don't see that. And I suspect we don't see that. For this very reason.
0: Well, I, yeah, I think we're meant to feel uncomfortable, but made, made to it's feel It's supposed to be funny. It's no, supposed I to be funny it. with his arms flopping. I know it's flopping. supposed to be funny. I don't think it's...
1: I, I, this This is, again, this is... I think... So, in this whole, what we've seen thus far, violence of men against women, mm-hmm. which we've seen a couple of times, is portrayed as graphic and mm-hmm. horrible and mm-hmm. awful... When it's violence of women against men, it's Mm. played for comedy. That's a good point. Which is fucked up, Mm -hmm. but it's a statement.
0: Yeah, I think it's a fair way to. Like
1: the she, when, you know, Candy hits uh, Mitchum, it. Rodney? It's. What's
0: that? Uh, Rodney, yeah.
1: Right, but Rodney Mitchum, it's played for comedy. When Janie E. is potentially maybe raping mm-hmm. Dougie Jones it's play silly comedy. and played for comedy
0: because it's uh, to, uh, if you haven't watched I don't know what it, he she's on top and he's lying with his arms like in a T. Mm-hmm. and so every time the bed bounces his his yeah arms, wrists are flopping
1: flying. and then it's also juxtaposed with Sonny Jim hearing it yeah. and being like what
0: she's a very loud lay I will say that <laughs> Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, I don't know if you have a kid in the house.
1: (laughs) But I think also this is possibly the first time that's ever happened.
0: Oh, the first time she's, like, had good sex with Dougie? Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. Meanwhile,
1: he's not doing anything, so I don't know what makes it good.
0: Uh, I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? No, She's using him as a dildo.
1: Sure. But presumably, other Dougie Jones, she could have done that before. I don't know.
0: I don't know. He just kept trying to get in the way by touching her and making yeah, eye contact. Yeah,
1: that's fair. Uh,
0: honestly, like. no, I, you're right? You're I'm right. A lot of times he's just
1: he's just sitting back and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Um. Okay, so we cut we cut to Jacoby, who's <laughs> oh boy, did I love this monologue! I so Jacoby is doing his sort of no
1: wolf for us.
0: It's like I love that. Line. Is it like a leftist Alex Jones? It's, yeah, I think because yeah. he's he for a long time does a pretty I was gonna say coherent, but a pretty sound anti-capitalism rant, which I'm here for. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like it's like watching um like watching Alex Jones or uh, what's the guy with the Hannity? No, that's not who I'm thinking of. Who is the book? Carlson?
1: Tucker Carlson. Tucker
0: Carlson. It's like watching his career in slow motion over the course mm. of like a minute of like, oh, okay, I kind of understand where he's going. And then by the end you're like, wait, who did what to you? I,
1: I think it's just him, like he had a script and then he just started getting more and more enraged mm-hmm. that he just has to get it all out. And he's just like, spitting because uh-huh. he's so I, you know, hyped up about all of it.
0: No, yep. but like, I don't know. He, he talked about like, vertical integration in a way that I was like, yeah, that, you know, monopolies of that nature are deeply unethical. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they are, you know, monopolies are fucking us everywhere we go. You're correct.
1: Meanwhile, all is, all of that is so that he can sell a fucking bullshit product.
0: It's, that is where it hits the great, the Alex Jones. I'm, I'm selling you this like protein shake that you need for the impending apocalypse. Like that's where it it reaches a fever pitch Mm -hmm and his anti-capitalist rant ends in so buy this shovel so you can dig yourself out of this shit that
1: is all just a shovel that i bought and painted
0: and also <laughs> it's a metaphorical shovel yeah. like nobody needs the actual literal you're not, you're shovel you're not
1: literally in shit that yeah. you have to like <laughs> go on boop 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 call and get your shovel and be like good thing i got this in time and good thing it's gold
0: and to be fair that kind that's the not the kind of shovel you oh. would shovel shit with
1: Sure. Yeah, I've shoveled
0: a lot of shit in my life. That's not the yeah. kind of shovel you use. Um, horse horse shit. I want to be clear. I, I worked on. I worked with the horses. I don't just go around shoveling shit. I am a
1: mess. Just, <laughs> thank, I appreciate that you're so helpful around the house because I am a mess. I just just shitting everywhere
0: one time but you have a
1: good shovel for it i do
0: i have the appropriate shovel one time (laughs) when i was at when i was working at the ranch there was a horse standing tied up and he was getting ready to poop and so my boss just stuck her shovel that she was holding like under his butt yeah and it scared the fuck out of him it was extremely funny because it just didn't make the sound he expected it to (laughs) like all of a sudden he's like and he's like (laughs) what did i do what's (laughs) in there what did I eat? Oh, that's a fun poop anecdote. I don't get a lot of those. Nailed it. Um, so, anyway, love this scene. Love everything Jacoby does. And he's it's, perfection. All, it's all like
1: right to camera again because mm-hmm. you're getting whatever the broadcast is that he's mm-hmm. putting out there.
0: And then we also see that Nadine Hurley is watching he's it. Is this the it. first time that she talks? Or did she talk last time? We see time?
1: her once just watching, and, okay. and she has a line this time. I don't remember what it is now.
0: He's so right, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he's, so, he's so beautiful. So beautiful. So, I think is what Yeah, it is. I think that's right. I'll put it in here.
1: Is it? Why don't these monsters bite into those tasty treats themselves? Because they'll die in the streets, just like us. And then they'll bloat like a big red fucking balloon. Stop! Stop distracting yourself with all this... Diverting bullshit. And pay attention. Save the children. Every parent wants to save their child. Buy yourself a shovel. Dig yourself out of the shit. And get educated. He's so beautiful. He's so beautiful, it's so beautiful.
0: I have no idea, but but... they know because I just put it in.
1: Oh right. (laughs) Now I remember. So listen
0: back, rewind. Oh,
1: got it, remember now. (laughs)
0: Um great. Great scene. Perfect. But no she's notes.
1: She's into all of it, though. Oh, my like, God. Not, she's like gobbling it His message, it up. him as a person, which is interesting because, like, she had a whole relationship with him. Like, not a romantic relationship, but, like, it's not like they didn't know each other. Yeah,
0: that's what I... That, that occurred to me when we were watching it this time because she does talk about him like he is a celebrity that she mm-hmm. doesn't know and will never know. Mm-hmm. Not her former therapist. But also... Or does she remember? Did that? she
1: know him? At, you know what I mean? Like,
0: no, she knew him. Like he took
1: a- care of her, but she was thought she was an eighteen-year-old schoolgirl at the time. Um, you know what but, I mean? I mean like, Twin
0: Peaks feels like the kind of town where, like, but if he never if he
1: left after that, and then it's twenty-five years later, yeah. and this guy comes back as a celebrity, like,
0: sure. celebrity in big quotes. Sure. Um. All right. So that's that scene. Um. So we cut back to Dougie and Janie E's house. Janie E's in a great mood for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, she takes um, she takes Dougie to work. She takes Sunny Jim to school, and then she says something to Dougie about. Yeah, like, just. I can't right. stop thinking about last. Should I say that to you more? Yeah, I'll. I okay. can't stop thinking about last night. Yeah. Yeah, was Definitely. that sexy? Yeah,
1: oh, oh. <laughs>
0: oh boy, Mikey, we're on radio. So <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Stop kissing me so many times. Mikey. <laughs> Mikey, get away. Mikey, this is unprofessional. Mm-hmm. God, Mikey. Daddy is
1: like, head tilting. Why Why is she kissing? What is her kissing noise for? You
0: mean, why are you kissing me?
1: Right, that's what I, that's what I meant. <laughs> Dottie was thinking that too.
0: Dude, This is a dumb show. Um, Jer- we got to cut back to Jerry, who's... Still lost in the woods for a minute. Just checking in. How are you doing, bud? Not great.
1: (laughs) Again, only this time he can't get a cell reception. Right. And I just put it together now that I think he's mad about not getting a cell reception because he can't watch the Dr. Amp show. Oh, you think? Because he was the one, like, he was previously in the woods with his little, like, tablet and now, and watching the show, like, fuck yeah, dude, you get it. And now I think he was trying to watch that show- and, and didn't get a reception and he's pissed because he wanted to watch that show.
0: Interesting. And I do feel like the Jerry thing, the, the way we keep cutting back to Jerry is a really interesting, again, the dog is just bark, barking on the couch. I don't know how to fix it, you guys. We'll all just have to deal with it together. It's annoying in person too. Um, but we were kind of talking about timeline stuff. Mm-hmm. That I I can see myself in the next few episodes getting really deep into like the timeline of, of season season. I mean, if
1: you look it up, there's oh totally there's timeline theories and shit online. Apparently, about, there's
0: like a four hour YouTube video that I might watch. Who knows? I've watched.
1: That's not about timeline necessarily. <laughs> oh, it's not, It's just. It's peaks explained. Yeah. Um, um, there but, and then there's even more discussions about the validity of that and what people's take on that is and. Well.
0: Um, yeah. But the the fact that we keep cutting back to Jerry is he does he live in the woods, or is he are we cutting is he having like one sojourn that he's been in the woods for like three hours and we keep cutting back to that, or has he been in the woods for this the entire timeline of this show which is a week or so now, right? Mm-hmm. Once again, such good radio when Mikey shrugs his shoulders. I,
1: but that's exactly it. We don't know. And this is a constant reminder of question your timelines. Yeah.
0: Or does Lynch just not care? He just liked having, using Jerry as kind of an interstitial, like an act break. Sure. Oh boy. That works too. David Lynch. Okay. Um, then we have De- Deputy Chad. Officer Chad. Deputy, yeah. Deputy Chad. He goes to Lucy's desk. He comments that it's a beautiful day. Um,
1: <laughs> this is a great exchange.
0: Calls for a donut. Okay, what's the
1: oh, what you and Andy must get up? Oh, every day, and he's kind of making fun of her. And she's just like, Why are you talking to me? We don't I- talk.
0: What are you doing up here,
1: Chad?
2: I'm thinking what a beautiful day it is, Lucy. I bet you're a girl who appreciates a beautiful day.
1: Well,
2: I bet you and Andy wake up each morning and say, Oh, what a beautiful day it is. Depends on what time it is. I mean, sometimes
1: there's not even enough time to think of anything.
0: One time, Andy was even thinking that the clock had stopped. And then we realized that we didn't even know what time it was. It seemed like forever. When
2: Oh, I'm going out, Lucy. I, I see the mailman. I'm going to collect the mail. But he'll bring it in. Well, I'm going to save him the trouble and go out and enjoy this beautiful day.
0: And it's so funny. Now that I just realized it, it's like, is this the first time we've seen Lucy mocked?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I never realized, because she's such like a a goofy character. Even when
1: she does really stupid shit where she's like,
0: it's the phone by the
1: thing. They just sit and wait patiently till she's done explaining. But yeah, like... I, that's the thing, and that's that's why she's taking it so weird. Is she doesn't understand. Yeah, she does. She she's genuinely questioning. Like, am I being mocked? I don't understand. It's, it's a really it's a it's a fun exchange.
0: Yeah. No, I'm so I'm just thinking about like, have there been other incidences instances in this show where we see people openly mock others to their face?
1: I mean every scene miguel ferrer is in oh yeah okay good point. early on that's another like,
0: theory that i was gonna say like i feel like look are never- trying
1: to think all that yes yeah, so you're 100 like, yeah, right yeah. i'm
0: 100 100- i was trying to go down a path of like in this universe of twin peaks yeah. people just accept everything at face value so there's very little mocking sure. of like the tibetan rock throwing thing everyone's mm-hmm. like all right mm-hmm. yeah this is what we're gonna do
1: i mean and even like it's not mocking but like harry was like you really got yeah. all this from a dream? Yeah. Like, all right, dude. Like, but okay. there may be some truth to that because
0: He <laughs> just because, makes noises.
1: Because Billy Zane never got mocked for that sweater and mm. really should have. Or his wig. Right. Like,
0: what did we just, oh, we just watched a Billy Zane movie last night yeah. and it was amazing. Not good.
1: It, it was Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight and it, it's fantastic. It wasn't good it's though. It's wonderful. The
0: problem is, with your assessment of it, is that it was quite bad.
1: I mean, it's campy as fuck, but it, that's yeah, the it beauty of it. It, it was, wasn't my kind it of... It was well-made camp. Mm-hmm. You know, this, like, on the level of John Waters, but for horror.
0: Sure. Yeah, my version of horror camp is more in the, like, House on Haunted Hill range of, like, a bad 90s movie. See that? And,
1: like, that's not I. Camp. Have... That's just bad.
0: Oh, I think it's transcended bad into camp. I think those '90s era horror movies. I think they have become their own little genre, not unlike a '70s horror movie. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I just really like. I mean, it's what I grew up with, right? So, like, I've seen Scream ten thousand times, and Scream
1: is great. Scream is so good. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Okay. 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 So we are. Oh my God, we're still in the scene. Um. So then cheat, cheat. So then Chad goes out he, he, to- ch-
1: Well, he no. used to be from Australia, so-
0: <laughs> I was going to cut that out, but now you made a funny joke.
1: Yeah, Chid. he's Deputy Chid Deputy from- Chid.
0: I'm from New Zealand. See you- No, I don't have it. Nailed
1: it. No. No. Nailed it. Move on.
0: Got <laughs> it what? Um, so Chad goes out to get the mail. Lucy is confused and suspicious, which is- a- very- As is
1: the, the postal worker. Yeah. Who's like, why- why is a fucking deputy <laughs> yeah. coming out here to like get the mail from him and he's, and he's like was so like looking back at him like what the fuck is with this guy and
0: he does it with such like faux casualness yeah
1: that yeah it's,
0: which the thing is if he just went out and like
1: hey how you doing
0: yeah so weird um
1: and like we established that he's I guess maybe not but we never actually see him smoke, but we established because he asked for a pack of cigarettes from Richard Horn, but then it's got the money in the, the money case. In it, yeah. But, like, theoretically, he's a go smoker. And have a cigarette. Go and have a cigarette. And the guy shows, oh, oh cool, I'll okay, take that. that was... I'll bring that in. Like, it's not hard. Do you remember... Instead of, it's a beautiful day, isn't uh, it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. is like, that I, the mail that like, you got Like, I need there, a reason sir? to
0: go outside. Right, exactly. <laughs> You're allowed to just go outside, sir. Um, do you remember when I lived in Lincoln Park and that... And it was back in the old times when Netflix was. We still had disc mm-hmm. Netflixes, and you and I were walking down Clark. I think we're walking south on Clark, by past that like shitty uh, uh, grocery store. That's a Walgreens now, like just north of Fullerton. And we were walking, and all of a sudden I heard like a car beep. And it was a postal worker who saw me in their post, in their like mailbox, mailbox, mail van. Oh yeah. And they honked the horn and we, <laughs> and they on the horn and we looked over and they're like, I'll take that. I'll take that. And so I just like gave them my, yeah. my, not box my Netflix thing. And it was just like, that was like out of a mood, like a cute small yeah. town. Like, oh, I'll just take that off your hands. I, it was very I, I think wholesome. I remember
1: that vaguely as a story, not as oh, that you were the actual memory. You were there, it. but who knows? I might have been. I don't. I still remember it.
0: Uh, anyway, okay. So boy, this is anecdote city. In this paragraph, um, goes back inside, leaves the rest of the mail with Lucy. He's achieved the. So
1: here's a little thing I'll point out on that is, you get a close up of him thumbing through the mail. And he finds a letter addressed from Peake's Sheriff Department. And the return address is Miriam Hodges. She is credited as Miriam Sullivan. Mm. And the episode aired. And it, she's credited in this episode as Miriam Sullivan. And there was a whole, oh, is this not the right letter? And a oh. whole, like, is this for something else from somebody else? But he just saw Miriam, so he assumed that was it. And then Sabrina Sutherland went on record and was like, "No, we just didn't have a last name for her at the time that that was shot, uh-huh. and then we credited her as Miriam Sullivan and forgot to change that or fix that or whatever." But
0: God, isn't that the danger of a David Lynch thing? It's oh like, yeah, you read into everything Absolutely. and it's like, "Oh no," we and she
1: up. just like didn't like that. Was very rarely do things like that get corrected, mm-hmm. and she just put it to bed like, "No, no, 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 she's that doesn't mean anything. Right. We just made up a name." in the interim and probably should have stuck with that or changed it.
0: Which leads me to think if this is the one thing that she came out to correct, that most of the time the other weird shit we noticed was at least somewhat on purpose. Or it's
1: asinine and it doesn't...
0: It doesn't rise to Sabrina Sutherland. Yeah, (laughs) exactly.
1: Like, like this is an easy thing to say. You know what? No, we didn't. That's just an error. Rather than, oh, well, you can read into that. Because some of it is, like, not as easy to... Was this a mistake, or was this? Does it actually have meaning? Mm-hmm. And so, like something like the the gunshot wound scar.
0: Sure. Yes.
1: You. There's not a we accidentally put the wrong thing down mm-hmm. because it's a we didn't do something. Right. So maybe like right. maybe that's an, a breadcrumb like a false Lynch positive to, versus a false exactly. negative kind of
0: thing. Yeah. Um. Can I tell a small anecdote about Sabrina Sutherland that made me like her a whole lot when we met her at Twin Peaks Fest? Uh, of course. Um, Do you remember the guy who dressed up as Bobby Briggs? Um, He was Mm -hmm. uh, about my height. He's Asian. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember. Rob, I think his name is. Oh, I was going to say, I don't remember talking to him much. Uh,
1: Yeah, I think his name is Rob. I don't remember his last name. He was good friends with Mally, who we became pretty good friends with. Yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. Okay.
1: At the thing. Oh, that explains
0: why we're all together. So when we were at, we, we talked about, there's like this picnic thing. That they do, and it's during the day, and it's just—it's
1: mm-hmm. the Sunday night big event. Yeah, like
0: um, after
1: you met the celebrity Saturday night, then no, everybody hang
0: out. <laughs>
1: right. Then there's a picnic the yeah. next day that we, so do.
0: yeah, you that's all just where, kind of mingle. Right, and it's super fun. Everyone's very generous with their time. Of course, they wouldn't be there if they mm. they weren't somewhat okay with it. But where we had this picnic was where some upcoming scenes. Um, In Mm. this series, were filmed, which we haven't seen yet, so I don't give too much. But it's in like a little forest preserve sort of Mm -hmm. area. Um, and so it's
1: also where scenes from Fire Walk with Me are too. The Deer Meadow stuff is in that area too.
0: Oh, is it? Oh, okay, I forgot. Um, and so there were a couple different people just sort of like leading, almost like a a bus tour thing. Like this is where that is. There was was going
1: to be later in that afternoon, Uh but. Sabrina and a couple of the the quote unquote tour tour guides who were gonna be doing that later mm-hmm. were going out ahead of time to like scout out the best route to make sure they got all the right locations make sure they had the stories correct or whatever oh. and they were going out to like oh here's the best way to do this tour sure
0: the loop that and at that
1: time we were just taking a walk through the woods
0: well and also the the bathrooms were all the way over there right right and they were. A half mile away, sure. like they were a hike. So away. we were just
1: taking the walk around when they happened to be doing that, and we we're like, "You mind if we just tag along?" Yeah.
0: So yeah, and it's kind of a basically one on got river. a private
1: so, tour from Sabrina.
0: Yeah, and I, was Mally there? Yes. Okay. It, so, it ended up
1: a couple of people kind of slowly latched on, and it was like six or seven of us. And so like that.
0: the the people who are going to give tours are two guys who are just like straight up Twin Peaks experts. They didn't. They're the guys who like run the tour. They run was, the. And so, but like my point yeah. is, they don't work on the show; they're just like Twin Peaks oh, yeah. experts. And then also, Sabrina Sutherland, who's the EP and yeah. a close com- friend and confidant of David Lynch. Yeah, and so, absolutely. like, he, not- she really
1: is the voice of David Lynch, yeah, outside of his work.
0: Um, and so there was, so there was just the four of us, and we ended up with with Sabrina, and I think we all just kind of ran into it. It wasn't mm-hmm. like we followed her around. I right. want to be very right. clear. <laughs> um, but all that's to say is, we're doing this walk, and we're just kind of standing around, bullshitting, and. Somehow somebody brought up that the night before you said Rob maybe mm-hmm. we'll call him Rob for the story hopefully that's his name. Somebody mentioned that he had dressed up as as Bobby Briggs mm-hmm. and do you remember? He, this? And he's a
1: big Dana Ashbrook fan. Like he was a big he that's his favorite character or whatever. Yeah.
0: And so Sabrina is like, oh my god, you know what I'm gonna do? And she calls Dana Ashbrook.
1: I think I think there was something. Even before, like, I think she was like, Oh, he saw your picture and loved it.
0: Oh, okay. All right. I knew there was a connection there. They posted
1: pictures, and he said he was looking at pictures from the Twin Peaks Fest page Mm -hmm. or something. And, you know, at one of those things, and he said, He saw your thing and he was honored and he loved it. Mm -hmm. And and thanks for doing that. And And he he was like, He was so
0: blown away. And then she's like, I should call him. Yeah. And so it was
1: Yeah, she just called him and was like hey here do you want to talk to that guy and like, absolutely and
0: he's like J-, I mean he's just like welling
1: up it was beautiful it was
0: wholesome and wonderful and great and it reminded me of another anecdote that when we um, Mikey is friends with a friend of Danny Pudi's so mm-hmm. um, we, I think we've talked about Parvesh maybe on the maybe. show um, Parvash is an actor um, Danny Pudi is most famous for Community which is my probably favorite show and the two, Parvation and Danny, were doing a kind of they're comedy. They're like best friends. Yeah, they're yeah. super close. They were doing like a comedy sketch thing in mm-hmm. Chicago. And they don't, you know, they're both LA guys now. So, mm-hmm. uh, But they
1: grew up out here in Chicago.
0: Yes. Um, so we sat down at the, and it was at um, the... Eight, Studio 773? Yes. I, was, I knew it wasn't 847, but okay. that was the only area code that would pop or in my stage head. 7,
1: 7, stage 773? Stage
0: uh, 773. Um, so it's a pretty small little venue, like we've seen magic shows there, and like still be the Tribune
1: Theater or something. Like oh, really?
0: That. Yeah. I don't know that. Um, but we ended up sitting next to this very yeah. sweet couple mm-hmm. who were just the best. I think I gave them my number because I wanted to be friends with them, and they did not reach <laughs> out, which is understandable fine. and
1: fine. we were pretty drunk,
0: but, <laughs> but anyway. And if this... you guys haven't
1: picked that up by now. We drank,
0: <laughs> and this guy who is, like sitting next to me, the the, the guy and the couple is, like, a huge community fan. Oh. And, like, and I'm a big community fan. Yeah. This guy is, like, diehard. And at one point, so at the show ends. Everybody goes out. They're doing the <laughs> meet and greet. So I'm kind of bullshitting with Parvache a little bit. And I hadn't even talked yeah. to Danny. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this guy who is sitting next to me. Like,
1: waiting in the back. Like, kind of so afraid nervous. to. How do I say something? So yeah. he
0: gets up to Danny Pudi. And I happen to look over, just as they were doing the special handshake that Danny Pudi and Troy that Ovid and yeah. Troy do on Community which is like yeah, yeah. a double hand clap and they hit their chest and I saw that guy do that special handshake with Dan- with uh-huh. Danny Pudi and I was so happy for him like yeah. that is yeah. like it was just watching somebody have their like wonderful moment yeah. and this was a very similar there's, feeling of like I'm so happy that you're happy there's
1: something really really sweet about celebrities not necessarily approaching fans, but not just being like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and not just receptive to what the fan is saying, mm-hmm. but like engaging with the fan. Mm-hmm. I, another experience I had that I loved was years ago. This is probably 2004-ish. Whenever, whatever year it was where the Cubs signed Lou Panella as a manager... And this is in the heyday oh, yeah, yeah, of the yeah. song, Hey There, Delilah. Oh, boy. Some friends of mine wrote, or a friend of a friend of mine, I should say, they had written this, like, silly parody. Oh, I'm going to have to dig up this video. So oh, it's can actually post not it to hard them. to find. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Do you have it, like, bookmarked so you can? It's
1: on my channel if you just search for my channel. Oh, is It's it? still there. Oh, okay.
0: Um, Mikey's got a YouTube channel. What's yeah. on that YouTube and channel?
1: Music videos that I made for mm. friends' bands and stuff. Um, Most, all of them are. 10 15 20 years old mm-hmm. and um,
0: mostly defunct bands
1: yeah right um although there's a very old am taxi video they're still legit anyway um but so they were like hey we want to make this go viral because those guys worked at a radio show and they would play it on the radio but mm-hmm. like that doesn't have the sure. you know you need that like link ability. Well, this was
0: also oh eight
1: not even it was like oh five i think okay oh, so four this is- or five
0: All probably pre-YouTube, maybe? Maybe it was.
1: No, it was YouTube because that's where it first went up.
0: Really? Okay, so.
1: Maybe it was later than I thought. But either way, um, they wanted a stupid stupid video to match this. So, like, I took, like, two days because they needed to get it out quickly after the announcement of Lupinella joining the Cubs as manager. And they put this song out, and then I put together a stupid little video with, like, pictures I stole from the internet. Um, and did like a stupid bad split screen version, like the Hey There Delilah video, because the song was Hey Lou Piniella. Um, and I put it up, and sure enough, like it got traction, and people started watching it. Apparently, they were like passing it around the clubhouse. Um, so like all the players and the Cubs at the time were watching it and laughing at it and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. And I had heard we we got to go on WGN New uh, Morning News.
0: He started the Cubs in two thousand seven.
1: Okay. So that's likely when it would happen, sort of split the difference. Um, but we went on the WGN morning news with this song. It was just a dumb flash in the pan, you know, pseudo celebrity moment or whatever for me. Um, and these guys, who I don't even know their names, to be honest. <laughs> Because I don't, I never really knew them. I yeah. knew Jen, who worked at the radio station with those
0: guys. Sure.
1: Um, but I worked at a restaurant a few years later, and Len Casper came in, who is. And you were at Gino's
0: East, which is a- No, like, this
1: was at uh, Jake Melnick's.
0: Oh, was it ja- Oh, I yeah. thought this all happened at Gino e- Gino's Eat. No, this was East. at Jake Melnick's. Oh. Um, okay. So. I really have to rethink my vision of this story. Today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. So this was at Jake Melnick's, um, and Len Casper, who. Was the TV announcer for the Cubs mm-hmm. at the time? He's now with the White Sox starting next year, which I don't is want to talk about crazy. It. Um, but he came in and he just like it was a game day and this was like lunchtime. He came in, got a salad for lunch, and was very practical off to the stadium. Um, but my friend Joel, who
0: why, why does, does keep Joel coming keep
1: coming up on this show? <laughs> I don't know.
0: We haven't talked to him in eight years, right.
1: At least, Plus. oh, more than that, yeah. Uh, but he was <laughs> he, he was waiting on on him at the time, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, do you know who that is at your table? And he's like, no, I have no idea. He wasn't a sports guy. And I was like, oh, it's Len Casper. He does the, uh, uh you know, the, the voice of the Cubs for the TV or whatever. He's like, oh, cool. And I was like, so if you wanted to, you know, say something or whatever.
0: Is Joel from the Chicago area? No, he was.
1: Okay, from the I was gonna East say like Vermont or something like that. For
0: me. Len Casper Len and Bob specifically was like very much what I when I became a huge Cubs fan like I always watched the Cubs my dad's always been a Cubs fan but when I started becoming a fan in earnest that was Mm -hmm. they were my boy they were my Harry Carey Mm because I don't remember Harry Carey
1: yeah Uh, and I so I told Joella and I was like I don't want to bug him but if you get to talking to him ask him if he saw the Haylou Penella video because this was kind of right just after like the peak of that hit happened mm-hmm. and he was like oh yeah cool whatever so he's talking to him and he told him and he's like oh that guy and so Joel tells him like oh that guy over there is the one who put that together but I was relatively busy at the time and I was like I don't I'm not as typically a starstruck person so he... I'm never gonna approach a stranger except the one time me and Brian were really really drunk and yelled at Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. uh, but that's a different thing, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, I so mm-hmm. I never wanted to. I didn't go up to Lynn Casper and say anything, but then later, when he was finished with his meal, he walked over to me and like tapped me on the shoulder. And I was like, Oh, hi, and he's like, Oh, I heard you were the you and know, were you,
0: like in the serving well or something like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, but the Jake Melnick's one was like it, in the it, middle of the bar, yeah, it's like at the whatever,
0: but you were doing work, you were right. just like, yeah, right right on, yeah, like,
1: and he was like, Oh, I just wanted to say it, it got passed around. Lupinella himself saw it, laughed, thought it was funny, but. Good work, man. I just want to, you know, thanks for being a fan. Hope you're watching the game tonight. Like, mm. it's there's something really bizarre about the celebrity coming up to you to be like, hey, yeah. thanks for being a fan, dude. It was oh really God. bizarre.
0: That's like my Brooke Shields story. Mm-hmm. It's the same. I mean, it's a it's sort of a long story, but essentially when I was in LA, when I was 16 years old, um, so this would have been, oh, 2000, 2001. I don't know how time works. <laughs> or Kevin's
1: Chris Jellio story.
0: <laughs> Kevin's Chris Jellio story is fucking solid. My shield story is my parents and I, I was 16. I was on spring break with them in, Will you bring me more one too. Um, I was on spring break with my folks in LA. We're assholes and we
1: drink different
0: wine. Listen, I don't like Pinot Noir and he does, Did listen, every, every, yeah, Every marriage is different. This is our sacrifice: is that we don't like the same wine, even though we both drink red wine. You know, we both like a a red blend now and then, a Merlot. I'm drinking a Merlot. Anyway, Christ, we're fucking bougie. Um,
1: are we really and truly just avoiding talking yeah. about the?
0: I would do Sylvia Horn scene. I <laughs> would rather talk about. My, I would rather do a therapy session on Mike than keep going into this episode. (laughs) Let me tell my brick shield story, then I'll tell the the Chelio story, and then we will get back to some good old fashioned Uh elder abuse. Um, Okay, so oh god, so we're at the tavern on the green, which is apparently a very like uh, bougie bougie and the place where stars go to eat. It's like I, I think it's very old world Hollywood. Like that one uh, steakhouse that everybody always talks about. Um, so we were there. My parents were getting a drink at the bar. We're looking through the menu. And all I remember is that this is, in, again, in 2000 or so, that m- there was meatloaf on the menu for $26 or something like that. And I thought that was crazy expensive, which it definitely it is. is. It definitely <laughs> is. But, like, if, if I saw a $25 meatloaf on a menu in the year 2021 at a decent restaurant, I'd be like, I mean, it's overpriced, but, like, whatever. That's The
1: restaurant is overpriced. Right, exactly.
0: Yeah. Anyway, and so we were kind of like, okay. My parents said, which I really don't know. Like, my dad is pretty well off and really was ostentatious, so I don't know why he <laughs> didn't want to eat there. Um, but we decided to go somewhere he else. He probably
1: just wanted to go home and watch Signs.
0: <laughs> so... <laughs> And so the entire trip, this is the tail end of our, like, five-day trip or whatever, my dad the whole time had just been fucking with me of, like, I just saw Nicole Kidman in the, the hotel lobby, and I was like, what? Because I was really into Moulin Rouge at the time, and now. um, And he was, so he would just fuck with me the because entire time. Because it was, like, a,
1: a fancy place, so you assumed you'd see a lot of celebrities?
0: No, just, we are in L.A. Oh, okay. And just, so okay. that's what you do when you're 16, sure. you go to L.A., you just think, you know, yep. everybody's walking down the street is famous. And so we're in this bar, and it's sort of like a a horseshoe shape. And my dad goes, Huh, that's Brooke Shields. And I don't know why I didn't believe him because Brooke Shields is such a weird pull (laughs) to like do a random celebrity. Lo and behold, Brooke Shields was behind us with two gentlemen. I should try to find out their
2: name.
0: Yeah. I should try to find out their names because they were both. She introduced them. Spoiler: alert, We met her. She introduced them as writers because the Oscars had been the night before when mm. Halle Berry won her Oscar.
1: Um, mm, Monsters
0: Ball. For Monsters Ball, that's a very clear memory I have in my head of like the night before we were in the hotel on one of those like shitty hotel tube TVs watching the Oscars, and so we were talking amongst the three of us my my parents and i of like okay where do you want to go which i don't know what we were talking about what was i going to contribute to this conversation um and then one of the men that brooke shields is with said kind of like came up behind us like are you guys looking for a restaurant recommendation like approached us and mm-hmm. we we're like yes okay and so he couldn't be nicer so he and his friend and brooke shields come over and just like Chat with Like, the way you would if you're Jessica in a bar and you want to yeah. talk to literally anybody who's near you because talking to people is all I know how to do. Um, and so she could not have been nicer. She was stunning in person, like, aggressively beautiful. I do have a picture that I will post. I am wearing a deeply embarrassing outfit because, <laughs> again, it was 2000. 2000- you can Photoshop it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was 2001, so I need you to understand. If you... If you weren't a teenager in the early, late 90s, you don't understand how bad fashion was. So what I am wearing is a cotton shirt with a um, like a dress shirt material collar on it and cuffs and then a denim blazer,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, which I thought was a really good look. And in fact, I bought the same jacket for your ex-girlfriend when we were friends before you guys dated because she liked that denim blazer so much. So you have dated two women with terrible taste. Well, that tracks, huh? Yeah.
1: <laughs> what does that say about me?
0: <laughs> so, I, they're so nice. I got a picture with her. My mom did the, like, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but can I get... And also, Phyllis will, I
1: don't think she did that. I don't know. No, I'm
0: she not. absolutely did. Really? Like, er, maybe... I'm your just, mom
1: is all... Your mom is one of those that, like, if people are talking about somebody might be famous over there, she will absolutely go up and be like, you're
0: famous? Who are you? My mom is, like, genuinely in another life. My mom would have been it's an absolute wild. star fucker. It's the
1: absolute opposite of me.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. She, had, she ran across a field to talk to <laughs> MacGyver or something. There's a story there, and I don't remember what it was, but we had a picture of some actor well, like, I don't know. She did know. that. Like,
1: she sat down and, like, to meet all of the guys from like, Chicago PD, the local, that TV show. Sure did. But like, had never seen the show, didn't recognize them, didn't know who they well, were, just heard other people in the bar talking about she, that. They were from that. She
0: got a picture with Steve from Sex and City, who was also in Chicago Fire. I do not know the actor's name, and I will sure. not learn it. Um mm-hmm. She had never seen Sex in the City, did not watch Chicago Fire, was vaguely aware that he was famous, so got a picture with him, just in case, I guess? <laughs> Unclear. And- she also ran after Michael Jordan with a golf scorecard to get his signature with one of those little that. pencils. Um, the coda to that story is that five years later, I was in college. Um, my dad called me, and at this time, he had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer, so my dad calls me out of the blue, which he's not one to do. And I just hear, do And I was like, what? And he's like, guess where I am. I was like, the fucking hospital? I don't know. <laughs> he was in LA at the Tavern on the Green. And Brooke Shields was there again. <laughs> and so I talked on the phone. I don't think I ever heard that part. Really? Oh, maybe. This okay. is my party. Look, like, this is my party story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think
1: I connected those. He puts those her
0: separate. on the phone. And I was in Indiana. We were at Eastern time. And it was probably like not, uh, like 7, 8 p.m. So it was pretty late on the, on the West Coast. So they, wait, or early. It was early on the West Coast. They were mm-hmm. day drinking. Good for them. Of course they were. <laughs> um, it puts me on the phone with her and I was like, uh, oh my god. Like, I thank you, like that night five years <laughs> like, ago.
1: Like loudly saying to all your friends, Hello, Brooke Shields. No, <laughs>
0: I ran out and me I ran out of the house. We were watching, ironically, house, the show. That was appointment Mm -hmm. television for me for a hot minute. I ran out of the house because I genuinely thought my dad was calling me to be like, I'm dying, I guess, or whatever. Like, if you've ever had a sick family member, every time your phone rings, you're like, well, this is it. This is the call. Um, And she was so sweet on the phone, very clearly did not remember anything, but was like fucking game to talk to me. And I was like... It's so funny. I just was rewatching Friends and I just saw your episode and told that story. She's like, oh, that was such a fun show to be on. I was like, I love you, Brooke Shields. You're the fucking best. (laughs) Okay.
1: So let's talk about Hall (laughs) Hall of Fame NHL defenseman Chris Chelios. Okay. Or do you want to skip right into elder abuse?
0: No, I'm just trying to admit that I grew up going to a country club in a way that doesn't make me feel like the worst sellout in the entire I mean, world.
1: You had no control over it. No, but
0: I was on the diving team. I I did contribute to that country club.
1: <laughs> Clearly, Kevin was not on the diving team. <laughs>
0: um, so if we went to a country club, it was very bougie. My dad was rich and loved golfing, and he loved Still other does. and he loved other old white guys. Still does. So like, that's where you go. You Less, go to a country though. club. Less now that he is a yeah, Democrat. He's he's coming around, my dad. Yeah,
1: it, it's mind-blowing, but yes.
0: It's very interesting. You're, he really is an enigma. I am genuinely going to, because I um, am in between my shots right now. My parents and I will get our final shot like a day apart from each other. So I think I'm going to go up there for a night. I might bring my recording equipment and interview my dad about like, hey, I know a lot of people who lost their families yeah. to Trumpism. and like, Go for it. What? happen with you. And he,
1: I mean, they, I never thought that your, you know, your parents were like awful people who would, would be in that, that Trump level They're of awful. They're not blatantly
0: racist. Right.
1: They're not. They're aw- regular racist the way boomers are. But not even, like they don't like, mm. they have bad taste in jokes with things like that, but I don't think they actually think
0: I think they are ca- any
1: other race is inferior to another. No, I race. think they
0: are casually racist, the way a lot of older sure. white guys are. Sure. That like, if the punchline of your joke is the guy was Chinese, that's cool, right? Um. Anyway, so when we were, oh god, Kevin was probably eleven. Kevin is your brother. Kevin's my brother. He's probably eleven or twelve. So I'd have been eight or nine. Um.
1: It's not about you, Jessica. This is Kevin's story.
0: Well, I wanted to put everybody. I want to give the context that I'm telling this story through the eyes of an eight year old, even though I did not witness any of this. I've heard it third hand. Um, My brother, there's a three meter board, uh, which I know because I was on the fucking diving team, (laughs) and I was afraid to jump off it for like ten years. So my brother, I think he was really he figured out how to do a flip, and like that's the only thing he would do like off the diving board. He would just oh, he was
1: trying to flip. I thought he was just jumping off a high dive.
0: No, he was trying oh, okay. to do like a single flip and like land on his feet. And because he was on the three meter board, which is
1: <laughs> Yeah. Three meters. He did, high, did like three and a half flips. <laughs> he did
0: he did one and a half and yeah. ended up head down yeah. and didn't put his hands up in front of him to like break the yeah. break the water tension. And so he came up and was really dazed and he could like it all tracks with like like traumatic brain injury that he could remember his address. He could remember his name. He could not remember that he was in summer school. He couldn't remember things like that. So, and that's usually how that manifests. Like you lose your early, your most recent um, memories first.
1: And they come back
0: eventually. It just you. I'm not sure sure Kevin remembers this story happening. I think he just has heard it so many times. I mean, but Um, also
1: I don't remember stories from when I was 12.
0: Yeah, that's true. This wasn't, this uh, wasn't
1: an impactful story to him or an event for him.
0: I mean, it kind of was. Anyway, so he, uh, so my mom, instead of, I don't know, calling a hospital or a doctor or. This is the early 90s. Yeah. yeah. So. Like mid 90s, but yes.
1: Concussions were not not taken very seriously. Unless it's a really severe, like, concussion. Yeah. You were, you know.
0: We would call it. He got his bell rung. Oh,
1: absolutely. He got his bell <laughs> Let's
0: wrong. downplay it as much as we can. So my mom walks up to the pool manager. Who's, dirt on it. Whose name was Buff, believe it or not, true story. Walked up to him and said, um, Kevin hit his head and now he can't remember that he's going to summer school. What's up? Like, what do you think we should do, pool manager Buff? And <laughs> pool manager Buff was like, this guy gets hit in the head all the time. You should talk to your kid. And it was Chris fucking Chelios, who was a Blackhawks is <laughs> yeah. hockey Legend. Yeah,
1: I, and, like, it, it, same with the Detroit... Like, he played for many years. He's... He was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 12, 13. Hey, Daddy. It was, yeah, inducted in, like, 2012 or 2013, something like that. Played several years... Like, famously went on record of, like, I will... If I'm ever traded, I'll never go to the Red Wings. And then, sure enough, went to the Red Wings and was an all-star there. And it... But just famously, like, kind of a traitor, but kind of, kind of dirty. But just a heavy duty. People loved him in Chicago. Defense. because he was a tough guy. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't like a goon. He wasn't a fighter Is he necessarily.
0: Like the Marion of his day, would you say?
1: No. Oh, has got too much class. He was. He, <laughs> Sorry.
0: No.
1: no, he was. He was.
0: Oh, was he a dirt bag?
1: Not like a dirt bag, but like. He would he would throw some cheap shots in, mm. and he would, you know, he was... But it was a different... More like a Shaw? Kind of, no. yeah. But he was like a... Like, he was a tough guy. Like Honestly,
0: I can't think of a third defenseman, no.
1: so... Well, Shaw wasn't a defenseman, but... He wasn't? Yeah. Fuck me. Neither... Who was the other person you said? Hossa? Hossa wasn't a defenseman either. He wasn't? They were both wingers. Uh, actually, Shaw played center sometimes, too. Um, the defenseman... Now would, I have to cut this whole thing out, because I The defenseman during that era would have been... Um, Keith, Zebra, Jalmerson, guys like that. Jomerson.
0: Um Remember when Jalmerson did IKEA commercials? Kind of a, Swedish.
1: Kind of a bufflin' ass, like like
0: oh, okay, just,
1: like a a tough guy. Kind of a Duncan Keith. Kind of a Duncan Keith, but Duncan Keith was very hot. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter who we think who's <laughs> most compared to. Who's
0: who's the analogous, is, not even, of this current Blackhawks of the last time we paid a lot of yeah, attention to Blackhawks a, in 2012. He's a
1: Hall of Fame NHL defenseman. That's all you need to know.
0: Um, <laughs> It was like Jesus. Dennis Rodman. This was is there? the
1: longest tangent yet, I think. Right?
0: Could be. Wow. Well, I don't think my therapist would be very proud of me putting uh-huh. all this off. I should talk to her about it. Anyway, um, so... Chris Chelios, sat down with my 12-year-old or whatever brother to talk to him, just try to Mm -hmm. ascertain, I guess, what his head injury situation was, and then allegedly got up and said to my mom, yeah, I'll be fine, which he was. Sure. We think.
1: But, like, they didn't care about head injuries. No, absolutely
0: not. And you know, in serial killers, the most common uh, joining factor among all serial killers? Killing animals. Yes, yes. Nailed
1: it. And. Let's move on. <laughs> Head no, injuries no, I, as a kid. Really, yeah. I would not have got. I would not have guessed that. That's where you're going. I mean,
0: at. I did bury the lead, so that's yeah, what I mean. yeah, yeah. Okay. I would say, yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: Here we go. Are we? We at? We're at that scene, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. So we're at the Horns house. We're we're at Sylvia Horns house. Correct. So we've established that the Horns are divorced. Not
1: officially yet.
0: They do not seem to have a good relationship. We get
1: more of that at the end of this episode when Ben and Sylvia are on the phone.
0: Oh, I thought, yes, you're right. Sorry, I was, I was mushing those together. Yeah.
1: Um, w- but, like, we don't really know where Ben and Sylvia are because we haven't really seen Sylvia since, like, episode three. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of season one too, um, right. um,
0: So we see Johnny Horn. Who we have established is special needs kid guy man. Mm-hmm. He's an adult now. He's sitting, and
1: we heard him previously I'm run really into the wall.
0: This thing. um So he's sitting at like a kind of fancy dining room table, mm-hmm. and he's um, tied to the. He's tethered to the table
1: with a helmet on, and he's his he's got his a teeth. helmet
0: on. Oh, does he have a, tooth, a teeth guard?
1: Like it's uh, like there, his jaw's wired shut.
0: Oh, I did not realize that.
1: Yeah. And there's like, that's why there's like a smoothie on the table.
0: Oh. Presumably, this
1: is the reaction to the fact that he ran into the wall in that previous scene.
0: Oh, sure. So it's
1: not like he's always in this position. This seems like he had an episode Mm -hmm. and has a head injury. Yeah.
0: And so what we put together throughout this scene is that sylvia horn has spent her entire adult life taking care of her her son's special and needs and just
1: getting screwed over before and getting by, fucked over
0: know. by everyone in her family it's uh, it's just so fucking sad um and so he like you said has a helmet on and there's this bear i guess it's the
1: body of a stuffed bear with a head that a head of a like, nightmare it looks like a it looks like a glass like fishbowl, mm-hmm. but the top part of the fishbowl is like the face. It's like tilted in that way. Yeah. And then there's like weird lights in it that. Blink. Like don't blink. Pulse? The, yeah. They kind of rise like yeah. dim and, and bright and dim and bright yeah. and they kind of bounce back and forth while it says, hello, Johnny, how are you today? Over and over and in like a British accent mm-hmm. and very computerized British accent. It's. A creepy thing to have overlaid on this scene it's of just over and over. Hello, Johnny. How are you today? Yeah, I. Oof.
0: Um, so Sylvia answers the door and Richard is on the other side, and we, and we've we see he's... him
1: pull up quickly, too. and he's got that like beat up old car with like different colored doors and mm-hmm. shit. And he comes zipping into the driveway, just slams on the brakes in there, mm-hmm. and gets out with authority.
0: Yeah. So he goes up to the door. Um, and Give And she, she tries to immediately block him. You get yeah. out of here. Don't want any here. Mm-hmm. He is demanding money in a, way, in a way that we've established this has happened before. Uh-huh. This is commonplace that he shows up, demands money, asks for money, begs for money, mm-hmm. And then leaves and Sylvia Horn is saying And she
1: referenced he says grandma and she references it as Richard, which uh-huh. I think might be the first time we actually get his name. Oh, is it? I don't I, I was wondering
0: it. if we'd established that he was a horn or not, but I wasn't sure.
1: I I like we got Richard Horn from the credits of his first appearance.
0: That's so tricky of like But
1: I don't know if we ever actually heard it on screen. Okay. Um until she says Richard, so, and he refers to her as grandma, which means he's the child of Johnny Horn or Audrey right. Horn, right? Um, because we questioned, like, it could be Ben Horn's kid. It could be,
0: yeah, it could an be an Ill- extramarital, yeah,
1: an illegitimate kid of Ben's or something. We don't, we don't know who his relationship is to the Horn family, except for that he has the same last name. And now
0: we see grandma
1: Jan Darcy is back playing. Sylvia Horn again. And, God, what must that have been like for her? Jan Darcy, you're a great actress. You haven't done a lot of Twin Peaks, but you're in three, four, five episodes maybe. We're going to bring you back. You're going to be in one episode, and a young man is going to beat the ever-living hell out of you. How do you feel about that? Sign me up. Like what the fuck is it's that?
0: So brutal. Um
1: and she's great. She does a wonderful job in that's it. The thing is, I've of been, like her helplessness, of like that point where she's laying on the floor and he's just taking ugh. her shit and she's like, what the fuck else am I gonna do? He's gonna overpower me. Like it's so believable mm-hmm. in such a like chest sinking way
0: I I, I this I, scene
1: is so hard to watch
0: I literally did not watch it like I yeah. would not look at the screen it it makes me deeply deeply uncomfortable in a in a in a way that I I don't think it's inappropriate that this scene exists but it is definitely a mm-hmm. scene that I would never want to mm-hmm. And I I'm I tend to kind of avoid things that I know will make me very uncomfortable. Like I will not watch a movie that if somebody has Alzheimer's, won't watch it. Hmm. I find it so profoundly upsetting that
1: You let you watch Relic with me.
0: Yes, but hmm. but that was a horror movie where like the it, I'm talking more of like I think Nebraska was one that like He drove across country. Will Forte, maybe? Yeah. Drove across country. Like, things like that that are just about...
1: Or that Anthony Hopkins movie that came out last year is about that. Emily Mortimer, maybe? So, Anthony Hopkins is in a movie that just came out 2020 that is about... Him being stubborn about the fact that he has Alzheimer's.
0: Yeah, basically any yeah. any movie where I have to watch somebody decline into helplessness, whereas yeah, where I, I can't, I just mm-hmm. can't, I sure. can't, I can't do it. It's just so upsetting for me. Um, so, uh, so, so my point is, like, I don't think that this kind of thing should not be made. This is the kind of thing I would aggressively avoid if it were not. In the heart of this show. I
1: will say I'm almost grateful, at least, that they kind of sandwiched all of the really fucking difficult shit to watch into one episode. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to binge the next episode to like- Palette cleanser. Hopefully, it's not as hard to watch and it can kind of scrub this, Mm -hmm. but it's tough.
0: Well, and, and I would also- Do you think- This is his fucking Grandmother. Do you think that this scene is not indulgent, but glorifying violence? Or do you think it's a responsible thing of like, hey, this is what it looks like when people hit beat the shit out of old women, which happens?
1: I like
0: I, look it in the face. Do you I think it? there's
1: two things happening. I think it's the latter. What okay. you just said, I think. I think Fire Walk with that's why I think Fire Walk with Me was so critically panned mm. on its release. Is it's that it? So hard to watch. Is it? Nobody fuck talked about incest and parental rape. That shit was happening, mm-hmm. but you but didn't. No, do you look didn't, at you it. didn't talk about, or you talked about it very subtly. Mm-hmm. To have it in your face like that is mm-hmm. tough. And people are like I, I don't, I don't know what the fuck this was. I don't like yeah. it. The same way you don't want to watch those things critics felt that way about it. Sure. Um
0: Yeah, I mean, going watching Fire Rock with me without knowing what you're getting into sure. has to be an experience. And
1: people didn't people yeah, were expecting more Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yay. Which this could be dark but town. generally was pretty Yeah, it, it you people you're blindsided by it for sure.
0: Well, and it's funny with Fire Rock with me is like it's Probably the same balance of drama and comedy, but they front loaded the comedy so hard that all of a sudden you're sitting and watching an yeah. hour and 15 minutes of just like fucking brutal shit, yeah, for sure. And then you have to just live in that the rest of your life, having yeah. seen it.
1: Um, so I think so. I think it's it's a it's that it's confront like I'm putting it front and center, so you have to fucking confront it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it really shows you in depth how truly evil mm-hmm. Richard Horn is,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it leads you to th- come to that conclusion that he's the child of Audrey Horn and Mr. C. Mm-hmm. And Mr. C is basically evil incarnate. Mm-hmm. So this kid carries right that trait. And um, it really shows how truly evil this person is. Right. So I think it's relatively necessary to show that. I think dancing around it does the show as a whole an injustice I think because this is 18 hours long mm-hmm. this three minute scene mm-hmm. is able to happen and it's important that they show it I think if if they came back and he did it repeatedly that might not be necessary like maybe give me one scene that where you see it and then other scenes that
0: like reference for ex- like for example in this show that we don't see Marjorie sure. Sure. Marjorie Miriam
1: yeah. Uh, Miriam yeah
0: we don't see Miriam get beat up but we hear it and we sit with it right so, yeah, I think that tracks with, with your theory that, like,
1: yeah, I you think, need to
0: face it a little and bit. And
1: this is the end of the abuse in this episode for the most part. Mm-hmm. After this, we start getting back into other things. Mm-hmm. But this, it builds to this just tough scene. What I'll say about this scene, unless do you have anything else about this scene?
0: Um, No. Because I do have a... Th- when he says, I'm taking the purse, that was tough. I don't know why. And he that- calls her a cunt. Does he call her a cunt? Yeah, that's like
1: the last thing he says. It's brutal.
0: Only I get to call people cunts.
1: (laughs) Um, And not in like a fun British way.
0: No. (laughs) Um, Nor in the way we call Ivanka Trump a cunt. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Where it's justified. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: um, So my theory on this scene. So before the show was released, before season three came out, there was a halt because... Sherilyn Fenn did not did not accept her scenes she was given her pages and said no I will not do these scenes this isn't this isn't Audrey this isn't what I want to happen if it means doing these scenes I'm not coming back so she sat with David Lynch for a while and they talked and you know got acquainted they spent a few days together or whatever and wrote new scenes for Audrey Mm -hmm. which is what we end up getting
0: Mm -hmm. yeah because we haven't seen Audrey yet, right
1: my theory is that this scene
0: it was, was written
1: accurate. as Audrey Horn. And Richard comes in and beats the living... And that was all that Audrey was in.
0: Oh, you think she was in nothing else? I think
1: I think the way they brought Jan Darcy back to play Sylvia Horn again, they brought Audrey back to play this role. Oh. And she was like, no. If you're going to have me revive Audrey Horn, yeah. that's not how I'm coming back.
2: Yeah, that's Which fair. would
1: make sense... From her point of view, like, why the fuck would why would fuck would I revive this beloved character to come back and get the like get beat up by her fucking child and Mm -hmm. that's it? Yeah, fuck that. And she was not happy with it. Then this is this is all just speculation. To me,
0: it seems slightly. I, I don't think you're. I think that's probably a pretty astute observation. I bet that's right. I would guess that that was. That wasn't Audrey's only scene, but that was like the way she was introduced. And then other stuff, which neither of us know, right? Like sure. that that seems like a more but, but, what but other it does scenes feel very you have
1: th- had, you know what I mean?
0: But it does also feel very lynchian to like, hey, here's like this mm-hmm. character that you've all grown to turn watch it on its head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Anything Same else? Same way. Was- I mean,
1: we brought Cooper back for all these episodes
0: yeah, we're COVID.
1: fucking 10 hours into an 18 hour season and all we've yeah. seen is this fucking bumbling idiot. Oh yeah.
0: We just entered the back half of the season. I should, I should say yeah. we're, we're officially at the halfway point. Um, okay. So. Which is
1: wild because it still feels like.
0: I still feel like we just started this.
1: It feels like we just started it, but also it feels like I don't, I don't, I don't remember what happens in the next like six episodes.
0: That's what I've kind like of I been saying Like feel like all I
1: can remember is the end. Mm hmm. Which is two or three episodes or whatever, like the the wrap up or <laughs> if you can call it that. But what else? Ha- there's there's still enough to fill mm-hmm. several more episodes. It's wild. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. Are we done with the that scene? Moving on. I think so, unless okay. yeah. I, no. And and
1: again, I think if you, you're taking notes or whatever of types of abuse, we've got your elder abuse and like psychological abuse and the helplessness of like Johnny Horn in this scene there's so much fucking shit that oh god you, i completely forgot
0: the part that Johnny Horn who's tied to the chair ends up on the floor like
1: he's trying to and like the poor I, fucking guy is trying to help but like he's tied to a fucking chair and his hand, he's got and these mittens on his hands and his jaw's wired shut. He can't do and anything. so,
0: like, I think that is, I think I genuinely blocked that out of my head because that and is... Then, yeah, that and then
1: is, Sylvia's just sitting on the floor, like, looking at Johnny, like, I'm sorry this is happening. Like, as, as though it's her fault somehow. Hmm. Like, she, but she's like, she's no, got but, this look of apology to Johnny that yeah. I think is...
0: I mean, I think that's part uh, of, if not being a parent, being a, being a mother of, oh, yeah. like... I'm responsible for what happens to my kid. And she's
1: doing everything for this kid and gets nothing but fucking
0: shit on for it. um, I work with special needs kids and I love it and I find it so fulfilling and I love these kids with every part of my heart. Having a special needs kid, especially having a special needs adult living in your house, is so hard. I can't imagine. So fucking hard. I believe it. Like, I've definitely had dates. Like, there's this girl... um, whose name I can't think of, nor should I say it, if I could think of it. She has, like, and she's a very petite little girl. She's probably 12 or 13. It's sometimes hard to to gauge. I'm not good at gauging ages anyway. But she was just very defiant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, she, she was kind of vocal, kind of verbal, not super verbal. She could ta- kind of understand what you're saying. But would like fucking look you dead in the eye do the opposite of what you said. And it's like, this. the thing I remember specifically is she's sitting on the horse. And so when you, so I do therapeutic riding mm-hmm. uh, with, with kids. So I'm just a volunteer. I'm not like an expert in it, but it's just a, a really good therapy for kids. It's mm-hmm. great for their hips. It's great for their um, upper body strength. It's great for their mental health because they're up on a horse. They're very, even though they're in many cases being held onto the horse, it feels very independent for them because mm-hmm. they're- Above it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and our horses are so good. I'm going to cry thinking about them. I can't wait to see them. Um, but anyway, a lot of the thing with horseback riding with special needs kids is, first of all, these horses are virtually bomb-proof, which is an expression of, like, you could blow up a bomb next to a horse and it wouldn't move. No horse is actually bomb-proof <laughs> in any way. But it's, it's trust yeah. me, if somebody works with horses, they've heard the expression bomb-proof. Um, but you want to keep your kids safe because like shit happens. Sure. And so it's always make your feet have to stay in the stirrups until we say otherwise or until you're actually actively getting off. Your hands have to be on the reins all mm-hmm. the time. And a lot of time and it takes a couple people. Usually you need like two people to spot a kid getting off just for safety. Mm-hmm. And so she we walked up to like where we're we about to dismount. We we're just like waiting for the next person, you know, for the the instructor to come over. And she kind of pulled up her heel from her uh, from her stirrup and like kind of brought it up to like her butt like put her heel toward mm-hmm. her butt and I was like I'm sorry, her name was Allison it wasn't alright Allison you have to keep your foot your you know she kind of just like knocked it out of the, the stirrup and I was mm-hmm. like Allison you have to put your, your foot back in the stirrup and I was trying to guide her foot in and the more I was like trying to help her the more she would just like pull her foot as far back as she physically could and it was one of those things that it and she had just kind of been a pain in the ass, which, like, I know it's a shitty thing to say, but sometimes special needs kids are just I mean, assholes to you. It's, yeah. No and, one said it's easy. And I was talking to the other volunteer. you be empathetic she, and right. still. Yeah. I was talking to the other volunteer when she had gotten off and we were, like, putting the horse up or whatever. And the woman just looked at me and she's like, I'm exhausted and we had her for a half hour. Hmm. Like, imagine, just trying to imagine, yeah. like, what it's like to do this full time is... And so that just, if if Richard Horn had just walked into a house and beat the fuck out of his grandmother, that's sad enough. But when you compound it with, A, he's done this before, B, he uses her as an ATM, C, she's been she's taking care of her special needs kid by herself, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. he's bigger than her. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just, it's hard to watch. Like she's, not, she's
1: being penalized for being good.
0: Yeah, no. Yes, that's a, yes, that's a good way to put it. Okay, so we're going to leave that scene behind? I am. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay, next scene. Um, so Roger, who's Roger?
1: That's the like assistant to Duncan Todd.
0: Oh, he kind of looks familiar. I didn't realize he had a name. So this assistant reports like um, the Spike's arrest to Duncan Todd, um, who then calls over Anthony Sinclair. Now, Anthony Sinclair is the crooked... Uh, insurance insurance yeah. agent is that there? insurance mm-hmm. agents um and so he te- so excuse me so Roger tells Sinclair to convince the Mitchum brothers that Dougie is working against them and if and so they will kill him and if that doesn't work he has to kill <laughs> because I like, this bike failed okay so is Roger isn't the boxer guy is he is,
1: no who's the boxer guy
0: um He's got Bushnell? a
1: poster his wall. Bushnell Mullins? Yeah. No, Roger works for Duncan Todd. He's just like Duncan Todd's assistant.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Duncan, I was thinking Duncan Todd. Who is Duncan Todd? I'm sorry. Duncan Todd is next, like the
1: guy, idiot. is Patrick Fischler, the guy behind the desk, uh-huh. the guy who hires uh, yes. Ike the Spike to put a hit on... Um, the, shit, I forgot her character name, but to the Tammy Baird stunt woman character, the one who Ike the Spike yes. does kill, okay. and Dougie Jones. okay, He's the one who hired Ike the Spike via the weird symbol on his screen, and then he grabbed okay. a thing. So I don't know who he's calling the shots for, but he's okay. the one who called the hit via Ike the Spike.
0: So what we established then is that Sinclair, who has... Shit to be blackmailed for, and has shit mm-hmm. to hide, so he wants to do what this guy says is to. And he's tell- in ca-
1: he's in cahoots with Duncan Todd, who's clearly not a good guy, upstanding citizen, right?
0: Um, so Sinclair's job is now to tell the Mitchum brothers who run the casino,
1: mm-hmm.
0: tell the Mitchum brothers who run the casino, Dougie is turning is working against them, has taken stolen money. B-
1: they apparently. The Mitchums had filed a claim in which they the had, a, they had a, a a different casino burned down. They were expecting $30 million payout for it. They're not getting it. So Duncan Todd says, you need to convince the Mitchums that this was Dougie Jones doing and not your doing.
0: And that way they will take out Dougie Jones right. and rid him. For of all his of us. problem.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's instead like since my, since I already paid like the spike for this hit, this hit. you're going to make this hit happen. And if you can't, you have to do it. Okay. What I like about this scene is the interesting power dynamic
0: mm-hmm.
1: of the staging. Uh, Duncan Todd is always at the lowest point in the room and sitting down. There's like two steps up to the door where Roger comes in and two steps up to the seat where Anthony Sinclair is sitting. And then when Anthony Sinclair walks over and tries to sit, he goes, no, 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 don't sit. Mm-hmm. Stay standing. Meanwhile, Duncan Todd stays sitting.
0: Which is such a it, weird power play. But Right. Like, it's
1: a weird really backwards. Kind of, like, and, and, and Anthony's like, oh, okay, sorry. sorry it's, but, and it's, scared. But meanwhile, he's like, Duncan Todd is like slouched in his chair yeah. and calling all the shots.
0: And it's more like, and he phrases it instead of, you know, like I'm going to stand up so I can power over you. I thought, I read it more as like, you are not going to be here long. Do not get comfortable. Right. I'm going to tell you a thing and you're going to leave.
1: Right. And it's, and it's, if you can't do it, I have no need for you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a very cool move because we, we still don't get a strong vibe as to who Duncan Todd is. Mm -hmm. What's his status level? Yeah. He's only ever behind this desk. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's that scene. Now, ready for mm, second best scene in this episode. Sure. Uh, Albert and Constance are having dinner together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we see the whole, they're clearly on a date, date question mm-hmm. mark? Like, or, you know, one of those, like, oh, do you want to grab food? Oh, we're not Yeah, and then we got
1: a tight little table with just the two of us.
0: So romantic. Remember restaurants. And
1: Albert is, like, smiling.
0: Which is on un- Albert-like, and oh, he's yeah. gesticulating in a oh, way like absolutely. he's clearly like telling an adorable, sto- charming absolutely. story, which is like we usually so that flirt f- pays off. Super pays also, off. Also, you're
1: introduced in the what. I, this is another thing. If you want to play, we can put a pin in for the Time. timeline game. If you want to play it, um, a woman walks by like carrying a French flag.
0: What was that all about? I did notice that.
1: So we get this scene. Then later we get a scene in. France. Cole's apartment. Okay. Or his unit in their hotel room or whatever. Oh, okay. Where he's drawing. His and hotel that's, room that's is that Albert, like his suite. Yeah. What? Yeah. Um. But there's another scene in another episode in his unit, same unit, with where he's there with a French woman. So perhaps there's some type of French consulate thing happening at this hotel. And they're trying to date those. The later episode with Cole and the French woman to this date, okay, as though those two are on the same day because there's a French thing happening at the hotel,
0: which is a fun like Twin Peaks throwback of sure. like the Great the, Northern. The Great Northern, Northern a, always has a thing, yeah. yeah. Um, can I add another layer to that? Is the end and during the credits there is a big thing that says like. This movie got. Oh, credits. that's in every episode
1: because there's a scene that is in France. Oh, there is. Later. Oh,
0: okay. I, yeah. I don't remember that. So I was just yeah, wondering. They, if, like, they shot a scene in was France. This is part of it of later. like they were trying to get this text break. So they're like, can we put up. Yeah, French I think it's words?
1: episode 17.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, good to know. There's a scene. Okay, obviously I do not remember But yeah, that. they
1: get they get a tax credit because they shot in France.
0: Okay, that, I was just wondering if like this was, they did like surreptitiously shot random, in a, like a random French, French field. Oh yeah, no. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we shot it in France. I mean,
1: this, this scene is like on one little side street at a French it's bistro. It's
0: side rue.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> um, it's at like a little French bistro that, and it's all shot Virtually in close up, so it could be shot
0: anywhere, anywhere. or in front of green screen. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it in our does not need to
1: be France, but clearly they just wanted to go to France.
0: I mean, who doesn't? Um,
1: also, it's a scene with Monica Bellucci, and it's possible that she Was couldn't get out product, of yeah. France or whatever.
0: Yeah. Um. So so these two are like being adorable and flirting while they eat dinner, and then. Gordon Cole is like stand, like creeping, full on creeping on them, and then like, and like he's loving it the same so way we are. So excited to see it! So like, he is our audience surrogate at this and point. It, this and, is how we feel.
1: And it's so <sighs> mm-hmm. after all of the th- shit that has happened in this episode thus far,
0: mm-hmm. it's refreshing.
1: It's really refreshing to see. Cole is smiling and Albert is smiling and and Constance is smiling and Tammy. Tammy's kind of
0: smiling. No, Tammy's
1: so... like giddy by the end of it. Oh, that. is she? I, yeah, I feel they're like, both I, don't, like I don't remember
0: her smiling ever in this show. Yeah,
1: they're like everyone. This is a, a very sweet scene where you don't get any real dialogue or no anything. No
0: dialogue. They're I mean, just there's indicating... dialogue between
1: Tammy and Cole, but minimal. You don't. Of. You don't see what the thing is, you don't see what's happening between Albert and...
0: Can I ben tell Constance, you a thing that almost made me cry during this scene? I, don't know I keep asking your permission. I'm just...
1: No, yeah, we'll move on. Let's... Okay, <laughs> so
0: at the Silver Mustang, because now...
1: Wah, wah.
0: You know, all I could think about... So, this show, and we've talked about this a lot, um, we lost many actors between filming and today. Mm-hmm. We lost a lot before filming started, like... We've been kind of losing these actors mm-hmm. for some reason. For me, and Albert was not a um, a character I loved before this watch through that we've done together. Mm-hmm. But like I've I've grown to to really adore him and further really like Miguel Ferreira. Mm-hmm. Like there's just something about him I find. I mean, he's a fucking Clooney. Like that tracks. He's just like oozing sure. charisma. And all I could think about when Constance and Albert were sitting at that table talking is if I am... What's her name who plays Constance?
1: Jane Addams?
0: Is that it? Like the second first lady? Sure is. Um, If I'm Jane Addams or if I'm David Lynch, I don't know what Jane Addams' relationship with, with, Mm -hmm. with him was, but if I'm one of those people, I am going to do whatever I have to do to find the raw footage of that night and just sit and watch two people bullshitting for a camera so they're probably talking about something so they like look actually dynamic Mm -hmm. but like it's that's kind of the wild thing about death in an age where you're you are going to live on no matter what. Like, this is a good example of, like, you and I could, like, fucking croak tomorrow and all this was, is still available.
1: That was a thing. um I don't know if it was on a podcast or an interview I read or something, mm-hmm. but Adele Renee, who plays Cynthia Knox,
2: mm-hmm.
1: talked about with, I can't remember his name, the actor who plays Mackley J.J. from yes. Parks and Rec. He died recently.
0: Yes, I'm going to find his name.
1: And... Maybe it was even her specifically. Maybe he had died by the time Twin Peaks Fest happened, and she told us specifically when we were chatting with her.
0: You know what? You're 100 right. You're absolutely was, right. That's ex- has yes. he
1: been? Has he died that long ago? Uh,
0: he died in twenty October 2017. Okay, so he so died that was, recently. Yeah, yeah. Because this was and we August went in 20, 2018. So okay, 2018. but she
1: kept talking about that. Of like, it was Brent, I'm, Brent I'm Brent Briscoe. Just so grateful that all of this is on film and I can go back and watch it because he was a wonderful man and I loved working with him he was only I, 56 yeah it's and like so he was a surprise mm-hmm. she's like but I've got this this time capsule of a memory mm-hmm. of working with this man based on this and all the footage and all the behind the scenes footage like all this stuff and she's just like I'm so grateful that like
2: oh, 100%. I have
1: that like you meet If you met somebody doing a play or something, oh, it was great. We did this great experience. We did this play together. I don't have any tangible memory of that. And she's like, I can always go back and watch Mm -hmm. this. And it's just, it was a really, really sweet moment. And like you were saying about she could do that with Miguel Ferrer. Mm -hmm. Adele Renee confirms that that's what she does with... Did you say his name? What, Briscoe?
0: Oh, God. Uh, I was going to say Donnie, but that's Donnie Darko is what I'm thinking of. Um... Brent. Brent Briscoe. Brent Briscoe, right. Um, he's great. He's like, oh, he's probably a, he's a
1: great character. We just saw him in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He had an I episode. Brooklyn
0: Nine-Nine. Yeah, he um, worked a lot. Yeah, he, um, was,
1: he is a great little character actor. But
0: yeah, it, it's, I, I think, th- I'm curious how I would view this season of Twin Peaks if everybody survived. <laughs> you know, if everybody was alive mm-hmm. until now. Because I don't have a lot of emotions toward um harry De- harry dean stanton mm-hmm. literally the most i know about him is that he was the reason that on douglas movies they call the game last man stanton mm-hmm. because they used to play a game of like name every an
1: entirely a, a huge body of work, it's
0: a game yeah. it, douglas movies is a podcast that they play movie trivia games mm-hmm. and one of the games they play is like okay name an actor seth rogan okay Ever, the four contestants everybody has As to go through and keep remember. naming the movies until they run out and they first named it first played it with Harry Dean Stanton um,
1: and then and then he lost then they played it with, oh
0: he sure fucking did they,
1: with, they played it with Harry Dean Stanton and he he was playing listing off all of the movies he's done and he lost to somebody else he which lost I think is amazing.
0: and also like by the end was like I don't fucking know like <laughs> just yeah, not Yeah, I've <laughs> done
1: so many movies <laughs> very few of which are memorable yeah I mean, he's um, in some great movies.
0: But, but, but watching, now knowing that he's passed, watching Harry Dean Stanton talk about smoking or play mm-hmm. the guitar, I don't have him. I don't know that I've seen that many Harry Dean Stanton movies, but just like, it... it and
1: I think that's part of the beauty of this season too is three. David Lynch knew that that was happening. Season three? This season also. Oh, uh, oh, oh, I, I, Part of the beauty Sorry. of this season also is that I think Lynch knew the end was near for people like Harry Dean And He was the way the and way Margaret
0: he, Lutterman, like of course, yeah. The, log lady, the they way knew.
1: Lynch put this out and reflected on, like, he almost wrote his own fucking obituary. Yeah, that's not the right word. Um,
0: Tribute. I mean, that does, is what eulogy. It, eulogy is an absolutely is the, right the word, word I'm yes. looking
1: for, but like. It's he's self-referential to a lot of his old David Lynch's own older work. He's very much saying like, it's, "If I die, which could happen because look at all these other people who are dying." Mm-hmm. Here's here's a last swan song sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and I think probably when you get into your fifties and sixties, I I you have to think. You know, we've both lost friends our mm-hmm. age, whether it was you know suddenly in an accident or illness or whatever but we i don't think either of us has had any friend any peers just fucking like have a heart attack and die or or whatever and so i think that probably makes one do a lot of introspection of like oh this happened to miguel ferreira or Ferrer, Ferrer, excuse me this happened to miguel ferreira it could, have, which I think he had cancer, but anyway, it, it's just one of those things. But all that's to say is when I, so when I see these scenes, whether it's Harry Dean Stanton or, or JJ from Parks and Rec or, um, uh, Frost.
1: Yeah. Uh, not Scott Frost, That's, um, Warren Frost.
0: Warren Frost. Um, it makes me think how I would feel about this if I knew these people personally, because when my, my, my friend John died, um, like 12 years ago. It it's been a long time. Um and it was right when it was right before my it was literally mm-hmm. 5 days before our first date or something like mm-hmm. that. Like it was right before um we we started dating and I was a wreck for a yeah, I remember. I mean I still am, but like you know that's the kind of thing you're just not really gonna get sure. over. But like when we were first dating, I was, and we watched the fucking oh my god, we watched the pilot of Twin Peaks on one of our early dates. That you're like, oh my god, we should watch this together. I, I love this show. Uh,
1: that might have been a little later. What I do remember is watching the pilot of The Walking Dead, and you're like, I can't watch this.
0: Oh, that's absolutely crazy. I literally that like... I remember because I watched <laughs> that with your brother. Yeah, I was gonna say we were at my. I lived with my brother for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, just. It doesn't matter. We just lived together, and Mikey and I had been we're dating, and we watched the first part of The Walking Dead, and I was mm-hmm. too, and it yeah, it had been sad. like nine months. Yeah. I I just too fragile. I couldn't deal mm-hmm. with it. But I think all of the time about I when when so my friend John, who I was we met in Montana, um, where I said I was working on a ranch. He was he was a Marine from Alabama. He was. 15 years older than me, we could not have had less in common. And we were absolute best friends. Like, we are fucking mm-hmm. inseparable. Um, and when I found out he died, and he died in a single car accident, it was just like a fucking freak thing. I had a voicemail because I, I, I cannot express how quickly it happened. From I drove from Montana home over the course of like five or six days, and then a week after that, he was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had called me and left me a voicemail when I was on the road. And ju- and I can hear it in my head, and I can hear his voice so clearly of like, oh, you're probably doing this or that or the other. And I called back. Um, and I, <laughs> I called back his phone. And my boss, Kristen, um, picked up his phone. And I was like, hey, and just returning to John's call. And she's like, he's playing guitar here right now. He's pretty busy. <laughs> like, mm. he can't talk right now. It's cute. Um, and so I had his voicemail and I listened to it after he died and it, I didn't keep it. And I don't know if I regret that or not. I,
1: I mean, I think at the time, like there's gotta be something to cling to when something like that happens for, for me, it was my friend Ted died a few years after that after John.
0: 2013? 14? John was 09
1: 14 I think. I think it was like because se- okay,
0: it was pretty close to her wedding like within a year of her wedding. Yeah so. I
1: think it was it was like May, it was like May 2014. It was I Mother's
0: think. Day. Is what I it was remember.
1: Mother's Day yeah 2014 I think Um,
0: and he had cancer but like he quick.
1: Had, he, yeah he had cancer but like it also turned into other diseases, and it just ravaged him, like, within the matter of a couple of months, a few months. And he'd
0: also lost a brother to cancer. Yeah. Which yeah. is- A
1: different t- type of cancer, too, which is- Fucked. Got his fucking mom. Anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I lost this friend. This friend of mine was a total, like, great, great guy. Total stick in the mud. Mm-hmm. He liked four bands- And And
0: liked them intensely.
1: And liked them intensely. And every other band was absolute dog shit. I don't even want to hear them.
0: He's kind of a son of a bitch. Yeah, he was,
1: but like in the best possible. Oh, yeah. But one of the bands.
0: He was a curmudgeon at like 25.
1: Sure, sure. (laughs) He, and my hero. (laughs)
0: Because
1: that's all I've ever wanted to be.
0: Mickey's working toward that idea. Exactly.
1: (laughs) But the one band in particular is um, a Southern California punk band called Strung Out. And he fucking loved him. He. His entire t-shirt drawer was strung out tur- shirts and three other beer shirts. Mm-hmm. Um All of
0: which he probably, the beer shirts all got for free. Or like uh, signed up for like a credit
1: card. No, I mean, I think, uh, no, they were like.
0: The beer shirts? Local,
1: like it was like, I went to the Half Acre Brewery and bought a beer. Oh, like,
0: I was thinking it was just like no, one of those bud no, light he shirts He doesn't then. wear free shade. Oh, fuck
1: <laughs> um, So he gets, so huge strung out fan. Um and so, at one point, we were for medical expenses and stuff. They started a GoFundMe and whatnot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my other good friend Brian was in some pro- fairly prominent punk bands. At one point, he toured with the band of the guitar. The guitarist of Strung Out's other band. He toured with him, so he had a connection to this guy Rob, who was in Strung Out, and mm-hmm. reached out to Rob and was like, "Hey." This guy is the biggest strung out fan I know. He's got multiple strung out tattoos. He sees you every single time you come through Chicago. And in most cases also goes up to Milwaukee for the other show. Like. He's your guy. He's. He's a.
0: If you've had a, a diehard fan, this is it's, him.
1: It's. It's absolutely. I. We, we saw a show. <laughs> me and Ted went to a show in Milwaukee. No, no, no. This one was in Chicago. This was in Logan Square. <laughs> Where they play might
0: might as well be Milwaukee for us,
1: right? Which it was upstairs. It was a show upstairs. Uh-huh. Ted and I were there. We we're waiting, for not paying attention. We we're drinking during the opening bands because fuck them. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. I don't want to see new bands. Oh, he's strung
0: kids strung oh.
1: out comes out. Open with firecracker. Ted rushes the stage and jumps up and immediately shatters his ankle. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him because the pit's starting at this point, so we're getting shuffled around.
0: like a mosh pit if you've never been to a punk show.
1: And Ted went to the back, got a bunch more drinks, and is just sitting down on the floor up against the wall, pounding his hand against the wall behind him, like, fuck yeah, like jamming out. Meanwhile, like, his ankle is inflamed and whatever, and he's just fucking drinking because- I'm in pain, yep. but I'm not going I'm not to not m- miss Are this show. And out I your kept mind. looking around, like, where the fuck did Ted go? Because uh-huh. um, you keep looking. That's the best thing. One of the best Ted things. Ted did a of-
0: lot of Irish goodbyes, didn't he?
1: Oh yeah, big yeah, okay. time. Yeah, we call we didn't call it Irish. We call it pulling a Ted.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> um, and so, which is
0: if you don't know, just when somebody leaves without saying goodbye to yeah, anybody, when they like leaves out. a partier. Yeah. Or- yeah.
1: yeah. Um, So I finally found, and I, yeah, I finally found him in the back at, like, at the end of the show. I was like, what the fuck's going on? he's like, I don't know, dude, my fucking ankle. Because he was fucking wasted.
0: I bet his ankle didn't bother him though.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so we're like, all right, well, fine. And I'm hanging out with him. And then the show ends, security comes over and they're like, hey, you guys got to go. And I was like, my boy hurt his ankle. We're just waiting for this crowd to clear because it's one small staircase out of here. Mm. We just want to be the last ones out. And mm-hmm. the guy's like, all right, well, hang, hang back over here. That's fine. But just, you know, you can't hang out here as soon as... It's... So we're leaving. The, everyone's slowly leaves. So I've got Ted's, you know, arm over my shoulder and I'm trying to help him hobble down the stairs mm-hmm. the way you, you know, carry wounded soldiers yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and he's kind of stumbling. And then another guy comes up on the other side to like, hey, prop me up on this side. And this is... Jordan the drummer of Strung Out pulling us down the stairs and then I like got him into my car and I was giving Ted a ride home and I was like so that was at least that part was kind of cool right and he's like what (laughs) and I was like that Jordan Burns just carried you down the stairs and he's like Jordan Burns is this drummer (laughs) like totally just was not (laughs) equating the things in this just
0: the Chris Chilio story Yeah,
1: like this (laughs) delightful way and then I told him the story later and he was like Wait, what happened? Because he was just drunk as sure. fuck, and he went home, went to bed, and then woke up. He in, didn't go
0: straight to the hospital.
1: Woke up in the middle of the night in excruciating pain when he sobered up, oh. and then went to the hospital. I'll do it. Um. Anyway, all of that is to say, we then got strung out to start like posting links to his GoFundMe and mm-hmm. shit, and then Brian and this I. This is when
0: he was still alive. This is sick.
1: when he was sick. Yes. And Brian and I started getting all these messages of like, and just reading the comments would be like, hey. You know, punk rock strung out for life, man. Hope you get better. Here's ten bucks. Here's mm-hmm. here's twenty bucks. Here's fifty bucks, man. And like here's
0: three dollars, that's all I have. Uh, yeah.
1: Quoting strung out lyrics with the donation they made and just shit. And it was just like, I fucking love the punk rock community. Mm-hmm. And what I love about the punk rock community is the same fucking thing I love about the Twin Peaks fandom. It's
0: Oh, I was it's it to people like the who are skate like skate community. Same thing, yeah. but
1: like we're these kind of pseudo outsiders, but we have this thing that You're connects all us. Dorks, yeah, but we have this thing that connects us. But, but specific that's, dorks. But that's not it. Mm-hmm. We we're connected by this thing because we realize this thing is just emblematic of who we are. Mm-hmm. And so I know I like you because we both like this thing oh, totally. And it's that connection to strung out and just reading all this. I remember like fucking welling up trying to to keep my shit together on the bus on the way home because I thought you were
0: actually just about to cry good acting Michael
1: (laughs) because I (laughs) I
0: genuinely was was like oh no
1: (laughs) reading this shit on the bus on the way home and being like I can't not read these because they're amazing but yeah like it's it there's having a community like that of like minded people who like a, a same thing you know the way I love Twin Peaks or, you know, the way you love dance or whatever. You Genuinely know, didn't know how that sentence serial, was going to end. Your serial killer, like, <laughs> murder friends. We
0: call it true crime, but yes. But,
1: like, but you, well, you call them your murder friends.
0: I do call them my murder friends. You I have, have a group of friends right. who uh, we all listened to the podcast, My Favorite Murder. Sure. And then did, a, like, a Western Chicago Suburbs meetup, and there was... I think 10 of us. Yeah. And people have moved away, but there's five of us now who are incredibly close. Yeah.
1: And it's just and they're because my murder
0: friends. <laughs> this
1: thing that you like. And it,
0: it's so important to
1: have those things. And Twin Peaks has always been that thing for me. And then, then you just become more and more entrenched in liking that thing because...
0: That's how you get acceptance. That's how you find your community. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's like, oh, I like this show, but like... I like it so much more because of all these people, because mm-hmm. of this community that it creates. And the fact that I like have never seen any like, well, fuck you. You're fucking Twin Peaks theories bullshit. Cause this is, this isn't the fucking like Marvel community or right. whatever. Like and this isn't Star Wars. where like, you ruin my fucking childhood with, uh, uh, they genuinely like even the bad episodes of season two. People are like, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Like it's or they so... don't like
0: attack somebody else for their yeah yeah. And and I'm I'm, I'm very jealous because the community the true crime community is pretty fun. It's strongly white women, but whatever. Mm. Um, but I feel like my the things I can relate to that in terms of like oh you like this thing I like this thing are like dance, horseback riding. And atheism are sort of my pillars, I guess mm-hmm. you'll say, and those are not the best communities. Like, d- like dance is extraordinarily competitive. Sure, and like it's great. Like, I, that's not to say all dancers are assholes or all whatever, sure. but like, oftentimes you can't just wait into like, oh, you're a dancer, I'm a dancer, and we're gonna be best friends. Like, some people are really, and also there's so many different kinds of dance. Like, ballerinas sure. don't care about hip hop. That's not true, but for example. Atheists are assholes in general. I think the same and, thing
1: is true of, of horseback riding too. Like, are you a fucking Western country dressage? Well, you, and
0: also people people who horseback ride are either rich. really rich or really, live on a farm. <laughs> yeah, those never the twain chill me. Right, uh, and so that's the,
1: the white suburban girls are not
0: right. typically the market. <laughs> well, I mean they are, but they stop riding when they're fourteen and grow right. out of their horse face like everybody did except for me. Um, I'm going to tell, well, Mikey's pouring himself wine. I'm going to tell a quick this is taking so long. Ted anecdote. Oh. Um, Mikey and I used to play poker once a month at Mikey's brother-in-law's brother's house.
1: Yeah, and, and right? to say that's how I met Ted is that he was best friend or good friends with my brother-in-law, his brother, and they, their friend like my my brother-in-law and his brother were really good friends and mm-hmm. they rode in a circle of four or five dudes mm-hmm. who I've since become good friends with all of them yeah but because of my brother-in-law
0: so my, you used to do my poker my sister's
1: wife super husband.
0: regularly with with um with these guys yeah. and then when we were dating we were living in Chicago Went, for a couple of years, we would go there once, and we drove to Yorkville, which is if you know the Yorkville, Chicago yeah. area, it's, yeah. it's it's not a short drive. Yeah, it's a trip. Um, especially when you're playing, and then we there like, like, three like three in the morning, three,
1: four in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> which I mean that was beneficial because the ride home became <laughs> forty five <laughs> minutes. I fell versus, asleep almost every time. Yeah, oh yeah, but it was a much easier <laughs> oh, yes. drive home, is what yes. I
0: mean. And it was right off. It, it doesn't yeah. matter. That's boring. Um, but I am a. Decent poker player, I would say. I won one tournament. I've done. Okay. I've, done I've won money. And you always twice. had the advantage
1: of a bunch of like. I had my friends who played, and then they brought in these other friends and work friends and shit like that. And a lot of them were like well, douchey white boys who were like, "This girl can't play." Yeah, I bah. want to be clear.
0: I was one of two to three women who would ever play sure. in this, and there was twenty people. Like, it was not.
1: It ranged, but yeah.
0: But I mean, we would start with two full poker tables. Yeah, usually. And then combine them to one as as people got knocked out. Because it was, excuse me, tournament play. And I am confident that I'm a good poker player. Mm -hmm. I did always have trouble remembering if flushes or straights Mm -hmm. were better. That was a very big stressor point to me. But I wasn't a poker player like, I knew how to do it. Yeah. So I did, and I didn't watch poker on TV or whatever. So I don't know any of the lingo. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely didn't know fuck all. And I, I was sitting, I was with, this might have been the last time I saw Ted. Um, with Ted, we were at, like, and it's one of those things when you get there, there's two tables and everybody draws a card. And if you're red, you go to this card, this table. If you're black, you go to the other one. And for some reason, Mikey and I always got separated. <laughs> it was statistically that was, that unlikely. Was the
1: Thanksgiving? Game. Was it?
0: Yeah. Um, and I just remember we were playing and... Then, and th- yeah,
1: because it was just at the start of the year then we got... Because it was Thanksgiving was the last time I saw him and he was super skinny. So skinny. And everyone was like, you look
0: great. Ugh. Yeah, which is why fat phobia uh, harms all of us. Yeah,
1: and then... Yeah, it was it was January or February and then that we found out he was sick and then May. Yeah, because we
0: did not know he was sick when we played with yeah. him. Like I mean, something was up. Right. Um, but somebody had said some kind of poker term uh, that I I don't I know it so unwell that I can't even like bullshit one it was just like oh she's got three horseshoes like I don't know what that means and at one point somebody had said something like that and I I think I just asked the table in general like I'm so sorry to be like ignorant but I don't know what that Yeah, I don't know any of this shit and I just I have such a clear memory of Ted like looking me like down the barrel and saying like you're a good poker player. Do not worry about any of this bullshit. This is not, because that's how you feel, right? When you don't know the lingo, you're like, oh, I guess I'm an idiot. And and that's part of the reason
1: it's done is to throw people off Yeah, big time
0: people. Um, But I just remember him so clearly, like not mincing words, not anything besides, you're a good poker player. Do not get dragged on by this garbage. Like, do not worry about it.
1: Yeah, he was a major hard on his sleeve guy. He would tell it like it is and, and genuinely very kind, yeah. (sighs)
0: <sighs> okay, anything you want to talk about, like, when your grandpa died at a spring right. out show? or yeah, well.
2: <laughs> No, yeah.
0: nothing? Okay. All right. So that was my hour-long tribute to Albert, or to, to Miguel Ferrer. Um, all right.
1: Well, what I was going to say with that, uh, in relation to what you're saying about, like, oh, you loved this scene and watching, why I think Albert hit so hard when you talk about all the people who've died since this episode is that albert is one of the few characters within twin peaks that you grew to love cooper comes out you love him immediately the log lady comes out oh she's a delight i like her
0: yeah a lot of the adults don't necessarily have a huge gross arc. yeah
1: you grow to love albert and then even more so by the time you get him in this third season and you're like i fucking love albert because and then to know like
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I
1: wanted to. I wanted to keep seeing him grow, and you don't. Is I think part of the reason that one hit so hard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're at the Silver Mustang Casino. The Mitchum brothers are watching the the pit floor on security cameras. They're in their little security office. Sinclair is approaching Warwick. I don't know it's good. Dave Dismelchin. You said that so confidently, and the, I don't know the who guy. That we is. had
1: we had a whole conversation. This is the guy I saw him in that Metaluna show back in Chicago. Who knows, Joel, Who
0: fucking Joel. He, he's
1: in. He's in like all the, the a bunch of the Marvel movies and, yeah. and all the shit. But he that guy. He's like the the floor boss. Yeah, not the pit boss. I guess maybe pit boss. The, I don't know. Different. Uh, but he's a floor manager of sorts and he is the one he's work whatever I
0: think uh, and so they're in their security room we have our Candy Mandy and Sandy tri- triad they send Candy down who is the only one I think whoever talks or is named right yeah uh, they, <laughs> and, and
1: not without re- repeatedly asking her and she's oblivious to it
0: I will uh, I, I, lo- know, I love this scene I know I, I shat scene. pretty hard on the existence of Sandy Mandy and Candy right an think, hour and a half ago, but honestly, like, this was an extraordinary funny scene. I think, this scene. Scene
1: and the way that at the end of the scene, he's like, What am I? Sp-? They got nowhere to go. I, that whole scene is, is what if me- I fire her? She has nothing to do. Like, it's th- that's what makes me feel like when you were talking about they're well, they're just this shitty eye candy and whatever. Is that I think that, like,
0: they're doing them a favor. They're
1: doing because they might be on the streets or they might be doing yeah. whatever because what else are they going to do? And I think they honestly think they're doing good and giving these people some purpose yeah. because they can't function. Right. Um,
0: Which, again, is not... I don't know. Am it's I crazy just, about the character choice of three blonde women who are It's eight? just silliness,
1: though. I think it it's is, just silliness.
0: It is silliness. I think it just feels a tiny bit like punching down, whereas a lot of the silliness we see is... Like the David Lynch... Not the David Lynch, but the Gordon Cole silliness feels a little more above board because it's... I don't know. I don't know. I, I think honestly, I, I just you're it protective probably,
1: because you're yeah, a woman. I was gonna say, and I'm like, very. I it, it's it's silly when McLaughlin's got his shirt off, show like showing how ripped he is. There's no fucking reason for that scene.
0: Well, I liked it.
1: <laughs> that's my, but that's the exactly <laughs> but, the point. But, those but are, a, those are kind of the same thing.
0: Yeah, but like male nudity exists on a different plane than female nudity, and et cetera, etc. Like, I will say
1: that that's getting a lot more even.
0: It is I've seen a lot more dongs in the last five years than I have most of my life, I would say. And I don't want to brag, Mikey. I've seen a lot of dongs.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah.
0: (laughs) Do you think that makes me a more sexually viable partner if I call them dongs? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So anyway, but all that's to say, this is a delightful scene. Um, So they send Candy out. She's not paying attention. I get you, Candy. Paying attention is the worst. Um, so there. So then we get this weird, like, silent movie vignette. They, they send her
1: go, go get. Go get Sinclair. Bring Sinc- him here. Bring him here. Yeah. And so then. And we, she repeats, "You want me to do what? Bring him here? Okay." Women and are it idiots. And just Michael, there for a little while, you. and they're like, "Yeah, go."
0: Yeah. Um. But then we, like, we have this little like ninety second silent movie happening that we watch the Mitchum, Mitchum, Mitchum. We watch the Mitchum brothers watching the monitors of Candy going to approach to, um, uh, Sinclair. Mm-hmm. And then we just watch her talk to him and gesticulate it, it's wildly. It's similar
1: to the, the Ferrer and, and Jane Adams thing. They're just... You're just watching these people have this conversation and you're just like, what are they talking about?
0: Yeah. And it was... I literally, at this point, said to Mikey, like, should I know what's going on? Because I haven't been paying the strictest attention because yeah. I'm a little upset. <laughs> like... And and you're like, just wait. And and, well, and they keep cutting and their back and forth to it of is like so good. The
1: Mitchums close up. They got a monitor close up. There's a behind the back of the Mitchums. Enough edits that a first of all, it does take a while, mm. just in real time. But in the context of the show, even longer, which is kind of what those edits imply, sure. is that We're they've, watching they've been watching her have some conversation with this guy for like ten minutes. Yeah and you're like and they're just sitting and then finally out of nowhere
0: I Jim Belushi just goes what the
1: fuck <laughs> like what the fuck did we ask you to tell him her life story for four fucking hours <laughs> which is like it, like the way it falls out of his mouth is like I'm trying really hard to not say anything <laughs> but what does she do? and then just what the fuck like it just we just
0: talked falls about out of his mouth. Jim I Belushi and strong performance in I this. it
1: this that's the moment when it turns over because prior to this I'm like ah, he does I don't I, I don't buy him as a tough guy mm-hmm. this is a weird ca- Robert Nepper. I love eh, Belushi I don't really and then that moment when he just goes what the fuck I love it and then and then finishes it with he's like Nepper gets on the thing and he's like yeah tell Candy to bring him in now now he like throws and then and then
0: it's such like, a masterful scene because great. you're see you're watching the video monitors and you're hearing the guys yelling mm-hmm. and then you realize he's yelling into this guy's earpiece <laughs> and, and, and when he, he like screams now you watch I'm it screaming it's so it's such a good piece of physical comedy yeah. like ah! yeah it's <laughs> just
2: get so good
0: <laughs>
1: it's so good it's really
0: yeah. it's a, a, a real treat a real treat what
1: the fuck it's just so good
0: and it's so like speaking of community we we're talking about earlier Jim Belushi is a punchline five times a season. Like, you're, really? the, you're the Jim Belushi of X is an insult all of these people fling at each other. And like, to the point where somebody at some point says, wow, Jim Belushi's taking a real beating in this conversation. <laughs> but whatever, he's a fine white guy. I mean, he, like, he's no better or worse than any white male comedian. It's, it's just that he was related to Jim yeah. Belushi. John.
1: He is. Jim oh, he is Jim. Jim. He's very closely related to Jim Belushi.
0: <laughs> so close. Yeah. Hot take though. I don't know about Jim Belushi. Like, it just like in hindsight, I never thought Animal House was that funny. It just felt like very. It's like, I mean, hey, what if Toxic Masculinity was super funny and like that's his whole comedy brand? Yeah,
1: and I mean, and that was obviously very big at the time. But oh,
0: it was the seventies. He
1: co-wrote Blues Brothers, which I think is one of the best comedies.
0: I don't think I've seen that in yeah, I, since I was a kid. I,
1: and I, I think it absolutely holds up today. I think Blues Brothers is wonderful and progressive and really? it's i i i do think John Belushi is as good as i don't think Bluto his fucking Animal House character is justification yeah. for him i think he was in his SNL stuff he would take on everything he was a workhorse and he was
0: well he was a, also on a tremendous right, amount of coke that's true. so but he like I would you know, be really the, active the, too.
1: The same way, like Chris Farley did with you know with John Candy, mm-hmm. like he was incredibly um, spry for a man of his size.
0: You I know, do like, love the nimble fat guy. Yeah, and love like, a nimble fat he guy. Would,
1: he absolutely Jack
0: Black like, for sure owns it.
1: All these guys, like the yeah, the, he was very much that and funny and just the nicest from what I. Here, I saw the doc recently, just one of the nicest people that you could know.
0: Yeah, I feel like, um, sort of the circles I run in is a lot about like re questioning, well, this guy's a comedy legend, so you have to like him, and then saying, like, well, Jim, John Belushi was really funny. I for this is not me saying as Jessica, but like, well, I never thought like his brand of comedy was especially good, but I've been told my entire life that this sure. guy is the peak of comedy because our peak of comedy at in the seventies and eighties was like white guys throwing themselves around and like pretending to be samurais and chopping somebody in the head with a samurai sword, if I remember right. That's the truth. That. Do you remember that from... I mean, he was the early samurai accident?
1: chef. It was his...
0: But do you remember sh- when somebody, he accidentally hit the host? Oh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. There was... And then
0: a- they all wore bandages on their head for the yeah, rest of the show? Yeah,
1: something.
0: yeah. But I, it's just one of those things that, like, going back and instead of... The same way, like, historical figures were like, oh, was Christopher Columbus somebody we definitely need a holiday sure. for? I feel like the same... It's a reckoning, sort of. And that's not to say John Belushi was not funny sure. or was funny or whatever. It's just one of those, like... When you take something as fact, sure. then um, examine and th- it. And that, me- that's one
1: thing I'll give credit. There's a a, a Belushi doc that came out just recently. You didn't,
0: I didn't feel like that. I didn't
1: love. It's not my a style of doc that I tend to like. Okay. It was all just recordings from the time. Okay. For the most part, um, and you don't or after the fact, you know, not not from the time necessarily, but like reflections so like this was recorded in the in the 90s talking about him from the 70s or whatever but like very various old recordings of interviews um
0: i'm gonna look it up you keep talking yeah
1: but he it was all sorts of different people talking about him in and in many cases very candid okay ways like personal conversations and stuff. Like, they had a crew around who was just, like, filming and recording shit all he the time. He in 82. Sure. Um God,
0: he was so young. Yeah.
1: And it was just people Jesus. talking about... It, it was a lot of, like... Honestly, a little bit comparable to, like, the Laura Palmer thing of, like... I loved him. Wonderful person. I probably knew something was wrong and I should have done something and I didn't. He
0: clearly had demons that... Yeah.
1: And, like, everyone was like... it. But it was really funny, so you kind of just look past it. But fuck, I should have said something. The way the entire town of Twin Peaks is to blame for Laura's death. Sure. Everyone is kind of to blame for the death of Belushi. It was a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. I just don't particularly like that style of just like people talking with pictures. And I want to see some talking heads like i talking want to see heads. some video clips that are longer sure it was a lot of just like playing things in the background with people talking over it for like the whole thing Apparently, and i wasn't a fan of that but
0: kind of reminds me of that uh shining documentary room yeah
1: 237
0: 237 when it's just all clips of the movie and people talking about yeah various and conspiracy it was theories. and it was
1: bat shit conspiracy theories that i didn't
0: i might watch that again soon yeah. that was bananas yeah, i don't really like that one So she, so Candy finally brings, um, after what we know is a long time, brings Sinclair back to the uh, what what, like a security room or an office. Yeah. Um, Sinclair lies to the Mitchum brothers and says Mitchum, 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 Mitchum lies to the Mitchum brothers says that Dougie Jones cheated them out of their insurance claim for their hotel that burned down due to arson, which we know is bullshit. What,
1: What Duncan Todd told him to say. Right. Um, and then and then the best is like he's weaving this story and they're just kind of staring at him like, "Yeah, yeah, get on with it. Mm-hmm. What are you talking?" And then builds with this like, "You have an enemy in Douglas Jones."
0: I do love this. See- I love this idea of like th- there's something really interesting to me about a dynamic of I'm talking to another person or two or three people expecting to have s- something of a conversation. Some give and take. Yeah. And instead, they just don't talk. So I keep talk, which I think is a, like a police trick that they do. Of like, if he keeps talking, he's gonna say something terrible. Mm-hmm. But I like that dynamic of like the social pressure that you had. No matter how much you're covering your own ass, there's societal pressure of nobody's talking in this room right now, and I was the last one to talk, so I guess I'm carrying yeah. on this conversation. I loved that kind of dynamic of it, of like. I'm just getting cringy it in itself because oh, it's, it's a power because yeah. oh because the silence is worse than anything mm-hmm. I can say, which is something I relate to in my soul. And he
1: and he was expecting like even if there wasn't give and take in the conversation, he was expecting to build to this big moment of you have an enemy in Douglas mm-hmm. Jones, and they just go okay. <laughs> so
2: and, and he's there's like, like some
1: man embarrassment yeah, so, there. So so, so you, you hear me? So. You have, you have an enemy and, Doug, and says it like three times on the way out the door, like
0: you're not responding the way you're supposed. That, yeah, to you're
1: supposed to be like, oh fuck yeah, I'm gonna get okay. I'm gonna get him. And they're just like, yeah okay. And part of that is because they're like, yeah we know we're <laughs> we're already gonna kill that guy. We don't like him because we just saw him because he took our fucking casino for right. a shitload of money. We thought he was up to some shady shit already.
0: We're not surprised. Yeah, so this isn't the twist ending you think it right, is. Exactly. <laughs>
1: And so this is just making Sinclair terrified because he's thinking he's gonna have to kill him.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's kind of right. And he doesn't. Yeah. Consequence of all. And he's
1: he's a crooked, shady man, but he's not a fucking murderer. Oh my god. He's a fucking coward. Huge
0: difference between like a general scammer and and like
1: yeah, he's gonna fraud, you know, big companies and try and get some money out of it. Listen,
0: I am here for defrauding insurance companies. Do what you have to do. I'm saying that on the record, Jessica. Jessica, when you're editing this, don't cut it out. <laughs> I think all insurance companies should be defrauded. I'm going to cut that out. Uh, anyway, so so that's the end of that. They figure out what they're going to do with, um, with Jones. Now, we go into Gordon Cole's hotel suite. It's mm-hmm. bougie as fuck. I think in a next life, I would like to be the kind of person that gets hotel suites.
1: And I mean, the expectation is that they're going to be there for a little while. Sure. So they're going to hunker down. You know, and it's on the. the Dime of the, you know, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Of
0: us, the taxpayers?
1: Yep. Good one. Ted
0: Cruz was right.
1: Oh, no, don't ever. <laughs> cut, cut that the fuck out. <laughs>
0: Man,
1: that's bullshit. That guy's never been right. Sorry, Aidy
0: Bryant playing Ted Cruz with the cornrows was genuinely an amazing moment in comedy. I think Aidy Bryant is so underrated. Uh, Aidy Bryant is amazing. so funny. Her, but... And her and, um, and Kate McKinnon together are... Like they always have the last sketch of the night that it's just like, hey, we're gonna play two tired. cat store owners and let's, we're gonna
1: let's get silly. We're yeah. gonna
0: put on this wig and hold cats, and that's the joke, and it's hysterical. Anyway, um so Cole's in his room. He's it says he's sketching, but he's using a permanent marker. Like mm-hmm. using a big fat fucking marker. That's I mean a, it's a
1: sharpie, it's not like a fat marker, but
0: But like that if I'm sure. sketching, I'm not using <laughs> using a Sharpie um he answers the door he's drawing
1: some weird ass picture too of like a weird deer
0: oh I like spotted
1: deer with these big antlers and then there's a hand really long hand coming in and he's like drawing the watch as we see him on the hand it's super bizarre and people have investigated this shit oh i've
0: never been more sure that he was just drawing some bullshit
1: oh for sure
0: like, I there's I'm in the same a, a lot of things that maybe Lynch intended to do a thing. He was just drawing yeah, some bullshit. What
1: time was on the watch <laughs> and shit. Like, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, so, he uh, answers the door and he sees a vision of Laura Palmer. And this is a vision of, like, 1990 Laura Palmer. This
1: is a clip of...
0: Yeah, I didn't recognize it.
1: It's from Fire Walk With Me. And it's when... it. I think it's inverted, but it's the oh. shot of... Of Donna opening the door before they have the scene where they're laying on the couch, like a few calls Yes, call. yes, yes. Okay. She enters and it's that and he's clearly looking at it and and Albert is like looking over his shoulder, like, what are you looking at?
0: Wait, is Albert there?
1: Albert's the one actually at the door.
0: Cole sits in his room and then answers the door, sees a vision of Laura Palmer, and here's Sarah Palmer.
1: Yeah, you hear Shouting
0: Laura. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. He's actually at the door, but I mean he was the one who knocked at the door. Yeah, I thought you meant he was really the one who there. answered the door and I was very confused. Yeah. Yes, okay. And I understand. so he was
1: like looking over his shoulder, like what the fuck are you looking at? Yeah, because he's, he's not acknowledging in on that that Albert is at, right. at the door. Yeah.
0: Um Albert shows I really loved this small moment of Albert walking in the door, they close the hotel door. Yep, exactly. Yep. He does like a tap on his ear. It, does he indicate? Yeah. He, turn it. So he does a physical indication of like, like turn the volume up. I'm, gonna I'm not going to yell at you right now. Yeah. Um, and so... And they, like
1: they've done this a million times.
0: A million times. And like... God, I don't know why I like this relationship between... There's something about, like, people who are not in a romantic relationship using shorthand with each other I find extremely endearing. Does that make make sense? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, they've been doing this shit for 40 years together, you know? like.
0: So shit's up, and we kind of know that. He and pulls out she, the
1: folder and explains the text messages that says, Diane... He says,
0: Diane received a text that day, I think. So this is another key mm-hmm. into the timeline thing. Mm-hmm. Diane texts at 11 a.m. this morning, got a text saying, the dinner conversation is lively or something like that? The
1: conversation around the table is... Is the, lively. Yeah.
0: And then she... Re- it's, not in my, it's not in these notes, but she responds with something e- pretty cryptic, but not as... I don't remember vague? what she said
1: back, but it was encrypted.
0: He did say it was encrypted, which means like it was not intended. Hev- she said, intend she
1: said something that was heavily encrypted, but what
0: she said was I don't think as Cody. No, yeah,
1: it, what she said was normal. I don't remember what it is. Yeah, I don't mean, I'm going to
0: drop it in here, and now you all know, and we don't either. Yep. Um. So, so now we okay. Something's up with Diane. She's not. I
1: knew it when I hugged her.
0: I don't know why that fucking hurt my heart. Of, because
1: that scene seems so honest.
0: I knew it when I hugged her.
1: At the end at the end when she walks out and she's crying and she's like, That wasn't him. He was something wasn't here and then they hug.
0: Oh, you mean that scene was honest? I thought it was yeah, very honest. It, well,
1: it felt really honest at the time, and now this puts this whole other spin on it, and you're like, Oh, is she just a really fucking good liar? See,
0: I thought What's it, up with Diane? I thought the honesty was like to say i knew something was wrong when i hugged them is such a non substantiated thing to say you know what i mean like sure. they said this thing that was wrong no 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 they hugged me and something wasn't right
1: yeah you know i mean maybe it's that yeah i mean look at the way they react or she doesn't she even hug. want to maybe fuck she-, she doesn't even want to fucking talk to yeah, right. to gordon cole and then she's hugging him mm-hmm. maybe it isn't so much like oh it wasn't how she hugged me i knew something was wrong when because she hugged she- me that's Why good, would she fucking hug me?
0: That's a really she point. She doesn't hug me. But that's a really strong point.
1: And, but whatever whatever the take is, it casts a new light on what was an incredibly honest scene
0: mm-hmm.
1: before, seemingly. And taints it. Yeah. That's, I think, what I love about this show is that like you get all these clues and tidbits for things that are going to come or... You see something you're like, "Oh shit, that changes this thing in the past." Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch of those little moments and I love that.
0: Um Yeah, oh, such a good scene. I I really genuinely But enjoy but then it. what
1: does this fucking mean?
0: And 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 the idea of being betrayed by, which which it's funny. Like, I feel like we all watch so many shows and things like that. That's always a thing of like, oh, your confidant is actually the bad guy. Yeah. But I feel like this, the way they do it, feels extraordinarily like, this is Diane. Diane is, it it, it genuinely feels like if I said like, Mikey has been betraying me. Like, this is somebody who I thought I I could trust implicitly.
1: Diane is the victim. You know, she's been... Or
0: is she the perpetrator? Like, maybe she's sure. also the perpetrator. Those two things aren't exclusive.
1: Sure. But it's it's interesting. What's tough about this scene is that, like, you get a bunch of new interesting mystery, but you almost miss it because I'm still reeling from the rest of this episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, all this shit comes at you, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. What? Wait, Diane? Wait, we I to- didn't even... Cons- because you don't... can, I don't care who you Cause are. Because they fished no,
0: out Diane. Yeah, it's not nobody, like she came yeah, to them. Yeah,
1: nobody predicted Diane would be potentially bad. Crooked, yeah. Nobody. I don't care how fucking, oh, I called that. How
0: cynical you are Unless about.
1: your way of calling thing is just picking the most absurd thing, and then eventually you're going to land something. Yeah. No one saw that. Yeah. So, to say Diane could plausibly be... And again, we don't know what that means. No. That... And I certainly
0: not. don't know what it means cuz I don't sure. remember the rest of this show. Right.
1: But it's interesting and it's new mystery that's hard to grasp onto because I'm so reeling from the rest of this episode.
0: Yeah, I don't have the mental capacity mm-hmm. right now to I'm draw exhausted. like something. I'm up. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: you needed to have this cuz if you just ended the episode with all of that fucking
0: no, they need abuse to, and trauma. They need an sorbet of course. Sure. you Like that callback? Yeah. You didn't sound like you liked that callback. I
1: love, I fucking love it <laughs> so
2: much.
0: So good. I'm so sorry, I snorted. Uh, so Albert also mentions that there is sent from Mexico, um, and her response is that they have Hastings, is what she texts back.
1: That's right, and we're going. We're going to the. We have Hastings, and we're going to the site.
0: Yes. Um, so she's clearly So it's not just What's going on It's she's telling somebody What we're doing right now This is a danger Right um, Preston then uh, Tammy Preston Then comes in
1: In a bizarro Like slow-mo
0: I noticed that So she it, it, They show her walking Down the hall I, like I may, The way
1: she rounds The corner is like woo.
0: And it drops and like, in a slow mo, and like and the music it, drops
1: into a, like a bassy. Is slow-mo. it just
0: Lynch saying like, "Hey, this has been rough. Here is something beautiful." I, maybe I don't. I, I that wasn't like a rhetorical question. Do you I, think?
1: I, um, I didn't think that. I I if I were to put emphasis on it, it would be more so. Wait a minute. We just want out Diane could be bad. Oh, uh,
0: giving the people, the audience, the time to recover. Oh,
1: no, I oh. just want out Diane could be bad. Cause this, this feels um, the slow mo feels ominous. Super to me, not beautiful. I don't think this is beauty. To me, this is like, oh, Diane could be bad. Maybe she's bad. We don't know anything about her either. Oh, And that now makes it's more casting sense. this like, ooh,
0: everyone's a suspect. We can't
1: trust anybody but yeah. Albert and Gordon Cole. And yeah. even that, maybe not. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I think it's. Casting the new realization and spreading it out to say we don't know anything. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Like my instinct was, I don't know, when I see a woman just walking down a hallway and they drop into slow mo, to me it's just like let's appreciate how it's, beautiful this it's person this, is. The audio
1: cue behind it too that. Really yeah,
0: played. which I don't think I, I clocked as much.
1: It's it's not quite the Cooper slowed down American woman song, but sure, yeah, it's. Um, the same concept
0: so she walks in she shows them a a photo of the glass box that we saw in episode one Yep. um and we see mr c uh and another man in that room yeah and, and this is ostensibly before that like stabbing death happened this is is this a good hand gesture for what that in, was
1: in the footage of those cameras this is still frame from what the cameras were Which we recording. saw
0: the eight or whatever cameras so that were surrounding. it's
1: sometime before that kid got... Before the murder, because they oh, wouldn't okay. have looked after. it wouldn't have recorded after. Right. Uh, but we don't know how long before. Right. It was somewhere in the archives of that footage. So this could have been... While well, this kid was watching it, while the previous person was watching it. Mm-hmm. None of that. We don't know. Sure. But... Why is he there? Mm-hmm. And without putting a definitive pinpoint on it or whatever it's basically saying Mr C is the mysterious billionaire who funded this mm-hmm. that's that's the vibe I get that's yeah. why he's there he's checking on his project sure. what information do you have for me so
0: it's are you saying it's nothing supernatural just Mr C was literally physically walked into that he building was, like he took a train buzzed in and walked into it. mm-hmm. it's not like he just I appeared. Yeah, I
1: think he's absolutely because he's not See, I assumed
0: the, it was just a
1: I, he's not in the box, he's in a front of it. Or he's he's there because he physically went there. He's the one putting the money behind building this. He's the one paying this kid to watch it.
0: All right, this is good.
1: this is showing you that I think that Mr. C is the one who funded this whole thing. Sure. Okay.
0: Right. Um all right, so end of that scene, and then we have a, a brief scene between Sylvia and Ben Horn. Sylvia is telling Rich. You never
1: uh, see her, but yeah she's just yes
0: you're right i'm sorry we, we see ben horn talking to his ex-wife
1: he's still wearing a wedding ring
0: is he mm-hmm. i didn't notice um
1: so presumably they're separated or married didn't or you know i assume one of those kind of just long separations i don't sure. even feel like going through the but i don't know why he's still wearing the ring have it yeah
0: I mean, I have to think, like, if you But he, like,
1: puts his head in his hands, and it's and you can front see trauma, and center. Right? It's, it's there to show you. I
0: mean, I do have to think that, like, wedding rings are obviously deeply symbolic, and, you know, I've been wearing my wedding rings for five and a half years or whatever, and I feel like if we split up or whatever, it would be a whole thing of, like, I guess I'm not wearing my wedding ring that has been glued to my hand for the last X mm-hmm. amount of years. Like, that that makes sense to me that that's the last sure. thing that you're like, I, and no. that's why I really like my wedding ring and I think it's pretty. Thank you. <laughs> um, so. Anyway, this is the first. S- yes.
1: Uh, assessment clearly that you they're get not, of what's going on between. They're
0: not them. partners anymore. Right,
1: they're not close. Um,
0: yet. And Sylvia, I don't think unreasonably says like.
1: Yeah, our. Our grandkid took all her f- my, my fucking sh- money beat my ass i want i want money from you because you have it
0: which i mean i think honestly i think alimony is a really interesting like feminist thing in terms of if you and i got married in 1975 or whatever it would be expected that you were going to earn money and I was going to be in charge of your home. It's the mm-hmm. very, like the 19th century. Women are the angels of the home. It's their spear. I, and I understand why men think it's bullshit, but like, I don't know. She sacrificed her entire life to raise his special needs son. This is, this is son. closer
1: to child support than... Sure.
0: But, Alamone, but, but regardless yeah. of yeah. like, when they got married, she agreed, I'm not going to work so I can be here to support you. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes complete sense that like, oh, I supported you through your entire career. You have to keep supporting me because what the fuck am I supposed to do? You and I decided... To, anyway.
1: And, and I mean, he keeps referring to I'm not giving you any more money. How often is she doing this?
0: Sure, that is another Those are things we of.
1: don't know. And, and she does and live in a just because, really yeah, lost house. Yeah, just because he has money. Ben Horn's not necessarily responsible for the fact that Richard Horn stole it. He should want to help
0: yes that's a very good way to put it he should want to help but also she's living in a like a gigantic right. house for two of them is
1: that their house yeah does Ben Horn still live there we yeah. don't know
0: was this do you know off the top of your head was this the horn house we saw in the original series or we,
1: don't, we don't ever see a horn house no, they, no we they definitely in the, do they live in the great northern
0: oh okay so when we see that one scene with all four horns which is the only one we see at
1: the big table, the table. that's in the great northern. it's in the great northern yeah
0: oh okay interesting all right i did not know that
1: and the same thing like audrey gets up from the great northern that's why she's having breakfast with cooper they, oh they sure that in makes the great sense northern.
0: it's a shining yeah. situation um so they have that conversation then ben asks beverly who is one of the Juds. which one Ashley Ashley Judd to dinner. Um.
1: Who's not there. She's off camera. Doesn't make an appearance. He just... And almost doesn't even care if she's there. He's got his head in his hands. And he kind of just says it. Not knowing if she's there. Just like, Beverly, do you want to go get dinner? Mm. Like, so like... I Maybe this is the moment that cracked me. And I'm going to actually give up on my marriage and be with somebody else. Or
0: I just need literally anything to take my sure. mind off this.
1: Something. Yeah. And, but we never get a response. So, like, she might not even be there. She may have gone home for the night already. Oh, you think? Yeah. She might not even be there. And I think he's just...
0: Oh, I didn't consider that she wasn't actually physically Maybe. We don't know. I just assumed they couldn't get the Jed sister that day.
1: That's possible, too. You know? But either way, it's like kind of a end of their relationship the this the it, horn relationship
0: the, yeah, and the nail of the coffin yeah um and then so we have a conversation between the log lady and hawk which is always really hard for me mm-hmm. to watch um she gives another cryptic message noting that the trumans are hawk's brother and that laura is the one she also says not my favorite line but the Truman brothers Wait, are would Truman. You, did you say the
1: Truman she gives a thing saying Truman's are Hawk's brother
0: yeah she said they're your brothers
1: oh like brothers in arms like sure I mean I, I thought I thought you were that's saying the, like, un, the,
0: the, the 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 subtext but I see what she mean. just literally yeah. says You're, and she also says the Trumans are
1: the Trumans are the Truman brothers are true men
0: eh, yeah which is not my favorite I mean line maybe because I don't mind it yeah no it's fine um and so laura is the one so now we have to figure out so this is not the first time laura has come up but the first time laura has Mm -hmm. we've kind of seen her character put a pin in the plot i think well
1: we know laura this you know the laura palmer case has is what hawk was looking for before Mm -hmm. we know that that's relative um the fact that the last line of the episode is Laura is the one mm. makes me think, and the way she talks, she, she's looking it's to so at, out, out hard at the camera to
0: watch for me.
1: But she doesn't look; she's not talking into the phone. She's talking,
0: but to she always camera. has like a thousand-yard stare. Oh, right. yeah, yeah.
1: But but yeah, but she's talking. Oh, is
0: she looking into the camera? Is she mugging? Sort
1: of. Okay, like not directly into lens necessarily, but is like facing forward. <sighs> yes, that's right. And. I- and it's To
0: me, that was the thousand-yard stare of she, right. like, I'm exactly. just sort of, right. I'm focused, but not in anything particular. Right.
1: And she, the fact that the last thing she says is, Laura is the one makes me think. Mm-hmm. And we get a glimpse of Laura in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this, kind of this whole episode is to me an allegory for Laura Palmer and her life. So the secret of abuse, the 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 cycles of abuse, all of the the difficulty, but then there's there is moments of love and happiness, and then there's all of this shit is kind of who Laura was. Yeah. And I think that's just kind of a meta cap on the end of the episode.
0: Yeah. Mm, It's very good. Uh, so we've seen all of these kind of ending songs a few times, but this one feels different. And in hindsight, it makes sense because David Lynch had the hand in writing the song that she sings. And lot, she seems to be his did, muse. Actually.
1: I, yeah, I mean, she was muse in... Muse maybe isn't the right word, yeah, but like... She was in M- Mulholland, yeah, Mulholland Drive also. The song was written by David Lynch and John Neff, who... And
0: her, and Rebecca yeah, was a, is right. credited for so her. I think,
1: yeah. Um, she, I think, had written... I think this is another one of those where she had written a, this song... And David Lynch and John Neff reworked it to make this version. Oh,
0: interesting. Of the
1: song. It's the same kind of thing with Lissy Mm. when she wrote the song. I
0: cannot wait to talk about Lissy on this show. Really? Okay. I'm really excited about it.
1: It was a song that was like already existing and they reworked it, I think, Mm. but I could be wrong on that. But she, wonderful, gorgeous, that dress (sighs) is wonderful. (sighs) I... She's got Moby playing behind her because why the fuck not? Yeah,
0: Moby was just playing rhythm guitar behind her. Um, so, yeah, first of all, like she has this like golden era Hollywood look that I'm obsessed with. It,
1: she reminds me of Senorita D- Diver. That's Part exactly a. what I was thinking. And of, like, especially they have that the same. silver dress. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, the thing about Rebecca Del Rio is her voice is like a fucking bell. It reminds me a lot of. Um, Philippa Sue, who played Eliza in Hamilton, mm-hmm. she has a similar voice that it's just so clear. I mm-hmm. don't know how to process it. And it's not a thing like you can be trained for. Or I mean, maybe, I don't know. Like, I mean, you
1: can help perfect Right. It whatever, but, like, but there's just something about some like natural, the, yeah. the,
0: the, the physical aspect yeah. of her voice is like a fucking bell. And I want to talk about um, okay, in it, to fandom.com. The last sentence in the first paragraph is the version used in this series appears to have been pitch corrected. Like, fuck off, guys. Like, you don't need to point that out. Um, like, are you going to say every person in a magazine has been airbrushed? Like, yeah, we, we kind of know, but let us have this. That's funny. Um,
1: also, she's. There's been live versions that I've seen and shit that.
0: She, I mean. She can she,
1: fucking belt it. Yeah, in. she it's, she
0: knows what's up. Um, so the anecdote i wanted to share around this song is is a a couple of things um first it's half in spanish which Mm -hmm. is not something we see too frequently and what i think is interesting is sometimes the spanish is just reflecting the english but sometimes it's a whole other verse Mm -hmm. or a whole other like concept so like she says i saw them in your eyes and then and oh, actually, no, I saw them in your. Eye- These are the lyrics that I'm reading off the thing. Saw them in your eyes, and tus palabras, and uh, tus besos, tus besos, uh, which is I saw them in your eyes, in your words, in your kisses, your kisses. Um, but what I wanted to to get to to get to is a conversation that Mikey and I had when we were in Snoqualmie, um, and generally has like shaken me in a way that I haven't like I think about a lot I don't know where we're going with this um,
1: should I be worried (laughs) no no not at all okay this
0: is genuinely like you sort of not schooling me but like helping me remember how art works is because
1: when we were in Twin Peaks Fest every time we drove anywhere we would mm -hmm. drive to and from the fest and think we just the Twin Peaks soundtracks various soundtracks were just on a loop yeah So so this song popped up a few times right that's why this probably came up, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: We, and we were just driving through Snoqualmie or whatever, uh, Washington. Because
1: there's, if you ever get the opportunity, even if you don't go to a fest, if you drive through that area and just listen to the Twin Peaks soundtrack, oh it's a fucking well, experience. Well, and I think
0: also because we're from the Midwest, driving through like a mountainous Mountains region and just the is. Fog and oh my the trees God. It's and, oh, so it's unlike anything we're you know, used it's to wonderful. seeing. For sure. Like, I feel like we have Our same- beauty
1: is architecture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, like, well, I I see people. I, I have a love for prairies. Well,
1: sure, but like, like I know, like we have a you know various offices and people come from California and places that they are used to seeing mountains and things like that, and they come to Chicago and they're like, wow, mm-hmm. and they look this view is amazing, and I was like, it's fucking buildings, yeah, but that, that's it's just what you're used to.
0: That was a very charming thing when my brother and his his wife got married. She's from New Jersey. Her family came out to Chicago, and Mikey's day job. Or you know what, it mm-hmm. is his job, but whatever. Um, he works in the Wrigley Building, and you yeah, know, I've,
1: right on the Chicago River.
0: Yeah, which is if you've not been to Chicago, a pretty iconic building and with absolutely mm-hmm. stunning views. Uh, and it's a pretty high up floor, and so it's sort of as like a probably me trying to big time people. Of like, oh yeah, Mikey works in that building right there, and I'm just like, what?
1: they did a we did an architecture tour, boat tour. Thank you. And that's, one that's of the, one the things they talk about on the boat tour is the Wrigley Building, which is famously the first Chicago-sized scraper built since the Chicago Fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's an iconic building, and it's I stunning work in the 15th floor there.
0: It's a beautiful piece of architecture. Yeah. So we brought. A lot of my sister-in-law's family up yeah. to Hey, his you want to come up,
1: take a look of, of the views and everything? And yeah, why not?
0: Like literally, just their Show family you my office. still asks about you once in a while. Like that's the, fine. it was genuinely as if you had been like, oh, do you want to climb this bridge or whatever? Like a, a very sure. exclusive thing, which like it was your Anyway, um, but all that to say is when we're driving around uh, uh, Washington... There is a stanza or re- a verse, I guess. Um, Yo vientu's... Uh, y- and I, I want to be clear. I'm not fluent in Spanish by any stretch. I have very basic high school Spanish. Um,
1: Spanish?
0: My Chicago accent gets very thick when I drink wine or anything. So I think everybody's just going to have to deal with that. Um so she says, en to ojos. I live in your your eyes, Yovi las estrellas, I live las I live the stars, which is in a sentence. But what she says is, "Po, yanoai, Yanoai, estrellas, blah But she keeps saying, "Yanoai, Yanoai." And we were driving around, and you asked me, what does that mean? Do you remember this at all? Kinda, okay.
1: I feel like I remember talking about the song. I don't remember the context of the conversation.
0: So the so the, the foundation of this conversation we've talked about on this show is David Lynch is very, like, words can't express my visions.
1: Oh, he, he is not comfortable. He, he finds words limiting is yes, the way exactly. he says it. Yeah.
0: And I, as a writer,
1: <laughs> I find
0: that, like, like, a personal affront to me. Right. <laughs> and so I was, I, was, I was like, oh, like, what a f- fucking pretentious knob. Like, who says that? And then at one point, this one of these last um, uh, uh, verses, pero ya no hay, ya no hay estrellas, pero na- ya no hay, ya no hay estrellas, which means, estrellas stars, ya no hay is a tricky translation because it technically means I am not. But the implication of I, which is, it's the to be verb. Okay. And so it's kind of like me saying in English, I am not. But the implication is like, I do not exist. I am not. I not, you know what I mean? Non-existent. Fuck me. Like that? Oh my God. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. It's non-existent.
1: Okay. Did I not say that at that time? No. Or did you just not get it?
0: (laughs) No, all you did was make fun of me because I was like trying to say it in English and you were like, sorry, saying words are limiting your ability (laughs) to explain this. And I was genuinely actively mad at you for like a half hour. Um, But I... And granted, maybe the reason I like it so much is it's very speci- simple Spanish that I can understand, but there's like 20 words but in the it's, whole song. It's like they- but yeah, no I, no I, no I is not, it's the way German has like Schachtenford and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. we don't have a specific word for it. It's that kind of thing of like, no I isn't just, I am not, and doesn't, it isn't, I don't exist. It is, there isn't an English right, there's not a- synonym for yeah. it. And so me driving and I'm driving our like, Ford Focus or whatever we're driving and trying to explain the English translation of no I. And you're like,
2: sounds
0: like words are limiting you. And I was like, oh, good news. We're getting divorced on this trip. No, I'm I'm kidding. Am I? No, I, but it was a very strong mm-hmm. example of like, yes, even though words are my entire life,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they are not. They're, they're, they're somewhat limited and they're limited mm-hmm. from language to language and things don't translate cleanly. And I think it makes it very interesting that this song I, is, yeah, know I, it's this woman who.
1: And it, and it leads to the greater point of, I feel like when, when we as people daydream or think about things, we think about things. I think of things as conversations. Like when I daydream, it's conversations kind of like, oh, I'll, I would say this and then they would say this. And oh, then sure, I would sure, say sure. This. Do
0: you think of a specific person or just... Not sure what you mean. Uh, like I'm arguing with David Lynch or oh, is it just... Whatever
1: Whatever I'm thinking about as a different person. Is,
0: is there generally a subject that you're talking to? Potentially. Just, okay.
1: Or, but just like, or it's just kind of like my conscious talking to me. Sure. Whatever. Okay. But like I talk... You know, I think of things in words. Mm-hmm. You, I assume, do the same. Mm-hmm. I don't think David Lynch does.
0: And I, no, I think a lot of people do not.
1: I And I think that's what he means by words are limiting, mm-hmm. is that he thinks of color as a language mm-hmm. and tone and, like, ethereal whooshing and shit like that <laughs> as language. That, that has meaning. I get emotion from that. And... Yeah triggering emotion is communicative Mm
2: -hmm.
1: without language and I think all of those things he thinks of everything and approaches the entire world with that concept and words are on the fucking bottom of
0: it. Yeah and actually that makes uh, uh, that kind of clarifies a lot of things now that you say that that I and I am kind of a defensive person by nature. No okay. <laughs> All right. You didn't need to fucking call me out in the podcast that 33 li- people listen to. I'm sorry. You're
1: getting defensive now.
0: You listen, Mikey, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm going to cut this out. Fuck you.
1: Leave it in. Leave <laughs> it in.
0: <laughs> no, but I am very defensive. Um, and so part of my uh, learning to understand and like Lynchmore is when he says words are limiting to me, that is like, your words are not enough. And for me, a writer and a professional speaker, words are all I have. So like how mm-hmm. fucking dare you? Like these are my these are my babies. And I think this sort of journey that me personally, Jessica, is on that like I said, I've been into like Charlie Kaufman and things like that, and understanding that different something like a, a TV show or a movie does not have the same um limitations or artistic rendering as a book Mm -hmm. which is just words and that like you can have images on screen that are impossible to describe indescribable and i think this is a good concrete example for me to remember like words are limiting and it's not insulting to you uh, (laughs) but also not
1: necessarily okay david lynch isn't a fucking fiction novelist that's not his medium,
0: but that's what I'm saying. It's like he's like a painter and a filmmaker. Sure,
1: sure, and he tells stories with pictures, mm-hmm. or not necessarily stories, but creates motion, uh, emotions, and moods and feelings mm-hmm. with images. Mm-hmm. Whether those are 3D models, whether those are paintings, whether those are a hybrid painting with 3D, mm-hmm. or like he was doing. Early in his career, he was doing great, like mixed media shit where it was like painting and animation and, and film and all this shit because that's how he knew how to get what's up in here in my head, mm-hmm. get it out. Mm-hmm. I can't do that with words. Whereas, if you need to get, if you have something in your head, you want to get that out by writing a story down with words. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get that out by painting, painting. a picture because Cause it's I not. Because
0: I neither had the skill nor the vision.
1: Right. It's that's not how. Your head talks to you. And I think that's the root of it is Mm -hmm. how does your head talk to you? Does it talk to you with words? Does it talk at you? Does it talk to you via conversation? Does it talk to you in pictures? Does it talk to you in, you know, sound or imagery or what? Like how does your, like you, only you know. How do you think? Yes. How, only you know how you think and how you talk to yourself.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And oh. I do almost exclusively right. words. Exactly, exactly. And not a lot of people like I. I think this is a thing that's floating around like the internet recently. Of like, I just learned not everybody has an internal monologue, and I, my mind is but because like I definitely. Oh, have an I'm internal always monologue. talking. To myself, always, always, sure. always, constantly. For sure. But some people don't yeah. have that, yeah. and it's. I don't dream. You don't dream. I. Dream I mean, I've, vividly I. And I frequently. do
1: occasionally, but. Very, very rarely do I remember a dream. I'm sure I do to some extent. The only time I ever remember dreams is when I'm not really asleep.
0: That half asleep thing. Yeah. like that happens a lot my like, after her, like my of, alarm goes off sure, and I'm trying to That's the only off. time
1: I remember anything, and even I forget it almost immediately. Yeah, no, immediately.
0: you've never been a Missy I'm a dreamer. It's John Lennon. Ever heard of him? Okay, let's wrap this up. Mikey's giving me a look like he doesn't like me or know me anymore.
1: Just thinking. In colors.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. That um, was
1: not... I did not expect this conversation. To
0: be three hours?
1: (laughs) Yeah, or to talk about the shit we talked about.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's... I also have a very speaking of like ways you think I tend to spink think almost exclusively in like metaphors hmm. because for some reason that I, I remember my
1: I mean that's a writing trait
0: I mean it that's is how but, to describe
1: things it's one of great way to describe things
0: yeah it is I think it also speaks to like how I empathize with things that like I can't imagine what it's like to be you in this but I have been in this situation, sure. which is emotionally similar. I remember my my friend Ryan in, in in college, who he was a lit major with me, and one more after some class he's like, Do you always think like you always say things in like it's like this? It's like a metaphor. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't know what that is about me that that it's easier for me to describe something if I'm describing something <laughs> slightly different. Um, but This was a. I mean, it was a. I mean, we're at three hours. Yeah. It was a difficult
1: episode. I think you
0: and I danced around the the Silvery Horn thing.
1: But we didn't. I don't think we did it. I think. I think. The intent of showing a shit like that is to get us thinking about our own internal. And we mm-hmm. both just openly decided, hey, let's talk about friends of ours who are dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? like.
0: Which is funny because it's not like
1: they're not either of our friends died but due it, to it's, violence. It's therapeutic. It's getting you into this vulnerable state mm-hmm. and like to see these things, It's to see shit like this on screen is therapeutic in the sense that it gets you to deal with your own demons. It's cathartic. Whatever those are. It's cathartic. Yeah. Which is why we end up so, you know, like both you and I are open people. I'm neither of us are like, oh, fuck that. I'm a big tough guy, whatever. Oh, I've
0: always said I'm a big tough guy, right? Um, it's on my Twitter profile,
1: right? <laughs> uh, should change that, just big tough guy, okay. Cooper <laughs> Duper, the Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, also big tough guys, also
0: big tough guy. Don't get it twisted.
1: Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like, i it, it opens up these conversations, gets you thinking, gets you talking about other mm. instances that make you uncomfortable and make you like well, putting shining light on these things that are hidden away in the dark is important.
0: I mean, yeah, it's similar. My my other podcast is called Friendly Atheist and it's a, I guess, political podcast is the best way I can put it. Um, but I, I talked at length about my miscarriage.
1: It's, it's more a morality
0: Podcast yeah, I, than political. I, I, I mean, we're looking that at... that tends
1: to lean political, but
0: yeah, I mean, it's a podcast anyways. about us discussing news events of the week through a secular lens, and yeah. so a lot, we talk a lot about abortion and gay rights and things like that that tend to be thrown moral
1: the, moral issues that are not moral issues, but dis, the right has dis- dismissed decided. as pol- political issues.
0: Right. Um, but but yeah, no, like I I talked about my my miscarriage kind of at length mm-hmm. in that because for the same reason that you kind of just said of like everybody's grieving about something. Everybody's sure. had some trauma and it's weird to and and maybe this is just me as a, a very textbook extrovert of like I feel better when I say what I'm feeling out loud and that has the compound benefit I'm of I'm
1: absolutely not an extrovert and I agree with you 100%. Yeah.
0: I mean Have I, you talked I mean do you talk to like, do you talk to your friends about your shit? Like, even stuff you don't. Of course.
1: Like that's that's what like that's why I don't have like I don't meet new people and have all these new friends. I cannot I have be clear. Same... Mikey
0: Does not want to meet anybody new. No, anything. I mean
1: I have this for the most part. Most of my friends I've had since I was fifteen, mm-hmm. and I'm 41. which is something I can
0: so deeply not relate to. Yeah, my best I have friends, friends are friend.
1: I've had for thirty years, yep. and those are the people I talk to about shit. Mm-hmm. And granted, there's other people that I've met since and whatever. Sure. And I, I'm not opposed to good friends, but the people I, I, I just don't waste my time with people who aren't going to connect. Like I, with, I don't care about pleasing people. Mm-hmm. I don't care about whether, you know, people like, I don't,
0: Yeah, you're not especially susceptible to like social pressure.
1: Right. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. And so the people who I can go back and forth with and have real conversations with, those are the people I, that I keep around.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's also like masculine thing versus a feminine thing. It's like I have no shortage of people, mostly women in my life, who like if I had to text a friend I kind of know of, like, hey, my life is falling apart. I feel like I have six people who'd be like, all right, yeah, let's talk about it. I can Mm -hmm. be there for you. And uh, that's more feminine, traditionally feminine trait.
1: What's interesting is I have a group of, if if I talk, you know, Brian, Matt, Lance, Richie, Brad, Mm -hmm. this group of my friends who, just knowing that they would be mm-hmm. there to talk to me sure. is enough.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: 90% of the time, 99% of the time, I don't need to call them and be like, dude, this fucking sucks. I'm going through this shit right now. But I could. Mm-hmm. And I know the reaction I get would be supportive. That's all I need. Most of the time. that's it's- the. But that's the introvert side in me is that I've been lucky enough to be, you know to have good friends around me is that I know I could call them, don't need to. Mm
0: -hmm. That's so funny. That's so funny because I'm the absolute opposite of that. Of like, hey, I will talk to anybody about my bullshit. Mm -hmm. And like generally I pick people who are, it's not that I'm just like telling random people on the street, but like, you know, I have a a little corral, I guess, of like my friend Anne who I talk Mm -hmm. to on Gchat all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things that we talk about like, oh, I felt shitty last night because I watched this show and she's just going to grad school. She's going to be a therapist. She's going to be fucking amazing at that. Mm -hmm. But like all Anne and I do is talk about our feelings. Mm -hmm. That's all we fucking do. I I still consider Pat
1: one of my best friends and he and I exchange a text twice a year once or twice a year and that's about it. And I haven't really talked to him. I talked to him once about another friend of ours who was going through some shit recently. Um, but outside of that, I haven't really talked to him in several years. But yes. don't care. I If I called him up and said, hey, I'm going. He lives in Colorado. If I said, hey, we're going to Colorado. Okay. What are you up to? Oh, that Pat. Cool. I thought you meant. Put me up.
0: Pat, our official. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. No, I, I talked
1: to him pretty regularly. My my friend. Yeah, this my friend from high school.
0: Yeah.
1: But if I called him up and said, hey, we're going to be in the Colorado area. What's up? Cool.
0: You're staying at our house. We're gonna, our home, you, we're gonna feed you and it's this, gonna be mentioned. Yeah,
1: and I, I know that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it comes down, which I think also like binary shit is a little bit bullshit. Of like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, like course. It's all kind of bullshit. But like, it tracks. It's like that a I Kinsey ju- thing.
1: It's, you know I mean? it's yeah, a hundred. It's a scale.
0: It's, but 100%, like, I need to talk about my feelings almost at all times. And I know my limit of, like, Mikey, I'm sad for no reason. And you can only handle so much of that because otherwise you just have a weepy I, mess of a wife. It's,
1: it's similar to what you were just saying about how, like, you use metaphor or whatever. When I talk about myself and my feelings, and my issues, it tends to be as a result of like,
0: like some, via, I had so, a conversation someone with someone
1: else is having an issue or a problem oh. and they talk to me and they're like man I my girlfriend is this or this or whatever and I'd be like you know what happens to me mm. is this mm-hmm. and I think this and that's why I do this and I use it for other people yeah which I mean, is in turn therapeutic for me somehow
0: yeah I think that makes a ton like I think I became a this is feels out of right field but I think I became a better horse person after I taught beginner lessons mm-hmm. because I would say okay you need to keep your heels down because of this and this is what your instinct is because I had to like mm-hmm. consider why do you like tuck your knees up mm-hmm. oh well it's, you want to get to the fetal position and that's more comfortable but you have to get like talking to some and I like to me that's why therapy is so great of like oh I didn't know how I felt until I said it out loud and I'm like mm-hmm. oh, oh okay 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 and it's
1: weird I that never had to be taught to me I've always felt comfortable in Knowing, you know, I need to talk about things, or I need to what? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I we so
0: whatever. now. This is this is the end of the grief therapy hour. <laughs> <laughs> what, baby? I
1: just this i didn't see this coming. I didn't see this. No, I a thought three-hour fucking gonna, episode.
0: I thought this is gonna be an hour and fifteen minutes tops.
1: I didn't. I, th- I thought we would avoid shit. I. Th- I what up? Do
0: you feel good about it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I honestly don't remember. It was all just like...
0: Oh, yeah. I completely black out any time I do a podcast. Yeah, what
1: the fuck was this episode? I My other
0: podcast is a little more popular than this. And once in a while, people will text me like, oh, you said you said this thing, and now this thing has been stuck in my head. I'm like, I bet that was funny with me. I don't remember saying it or doing yeah, it or yeah. thinking it. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway,
1: you guys are all our best friends.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I... Uh, I mean... This kind of thing is the reason I like podcasts I like mm-hmm. genuinely all I want to do is like that's why this pandemic has sucked for everybody but like my thing is like I just want to go out to dinner with somebody and just bullshit and just see what mm-hmm. comes up
1: and the only reason I agreed to do this with a uh, a podcast because I didn't really care enough to do it is because it was twin Peaks and I trust this fandom mm. you know what I mean Yeah, it's, good it's with it. putting yourself out there on the internet to strangers is very. Is inviting to just awful shitty people. And the Twin Peaks fandom isn't that. Yeah. And I, I felt safe to do it there.
0: Yeah. I want to be clear. People are extremely mean to me on the internet.
1: Oh, I to do a podcast with the word fucking atheist in the title no. is, I can't even imagine. I, and, and I get, you, you've seen, I've, you've read me some of your comments and shit and the anxiety it gives me Mikey is fucking can, brutal.
0: I used to. It's brutal. I, I
1: can't I can't stand it
0: yeah it's I need to confront the thing and say it out loud and to me that releases its power
1: yeah
0: and you're it's I just not get panic attacks yeah you it's I don't yeah. remember like I read something to you that wasn't even like the meanest thing but you were like don't I don't don't read this to me don't I don't want to hear mm-hmm. it which to me, I'm just like, hey, everybody listen to this mean thing a person said to me because that's the only and way And I get I it like, and
1: I know, fuck that person. Oh, of and course. I get all that. And, and it's I, not
0: you not being supportive. I can it's- eventually
1: rationalize it and whatever. It's not crippling, but it's, yeah, I, no, I'm not a, I'm not a read the comments fucking guy. It, every time I've started to like, they always make the joke of don't read the comments. And on any political post or some shit, I'll, I'll read like one, my, oh, my friend commented on this. I'll read their comment. And then just like. I get a half a comment in, and I'm like, ooh, no, I'm shaking. I yeah. can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. But yep, that's yep, me. Yep. That's fun. Welcome to my anxious life.
0: Hey, if you want to say positive things about our podcast, leave us a review <laughs> on iTunes, I guess. probably do we have
1: reviews? I don't I do not um, do iTunes. So. I think
0: John Bernardi was, for a minute, our only one. I'm going to double check. Nice. Right now. Thanks, John. Thank you, John, for being here. Our... We'll
1: have to have you come back soon. We'll text you.
0: I mean, hypothetically, he could be our only listener because he's the only person who has... No, there's a
1: few people who have...
0: Well, we get nearly 100 downloads per episode, which is... Mm,
1: nearly as generous, I think, right? We're in the 70s, I think.
0: Mm, something like that. Um, no, we have two... Yeah, we <laughs> We have two um, uh, reviews. Both are five stars. Nice. The first one 100%. is a listener of Friendly Atheist, which tracks. And the second one is John Bernardi from July. Very good new Twin Peaks podcast doing a show-by-show analysis and recap starting with the pilot. Enjoying the listen? Thumbs up. Hope it continues through Fire Rock with me in season three, as well as other Lynchworks, knowledgeable hosts, plus good chemistry. And then...
1: We should get married. I our think chemistry. it's a
0: mountain, a pine tree, and a cup of coffee. It's hard to say.
1: Those make sense. I mean, those things all relate to Twin Peaks. So no, that, that tracks.
0: Anyway, yeah, if you want to do that. Or, hey, like, tell your friend. Nobody's doing anything right now. They can watch yeah. Twin Peaks. Um, Sorry, this is genuine, genuinely the longest podcast in, in terms of just us recording right now. <laughs> Outside
1: of the the bonus episode we did with Jeff and Leslie for, like, season four of Lost or whatever. No, I'm talking about like four Twin Peaks. I know, but, yeah, this it's very close to the longest podcast you and I have ever recorded.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, this is just us having dinner, and there happens to be a microphone here. Yeah, but and, and we're also not eating dinner. And no
1: dinner, but only wine.
0: It's 7.45. We're we going we to gonna eat, eat dinner. dinner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, thank you, I guess. Love you. Bye. Yay. Oh. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper at Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. Hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chaktis. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.